With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. I always wonder whatever happened to that guy. Maybe he's up on the roof tonight. Uh, Before we get to open lines, we have to delve into this whole question of who is messing with our minds and why. Mind control, brainwashing, surveillance electronic harassment. Marie Jones, no stranger to Coast to Coast. My word, but she and her uh, writing partner, Larry Flaxman, are prolific. Uh, Their latest is, quite frankly, a rather disturbing, alarming history of the aforementioned mind control, surveillance, electronic harassment. And and this didn't start with Dr. Jose Delgado back in the 50s, attaching uh, brain implants in monkeys and bulls and then playing them like electronic toys with a radio receiver. Uh, This stuff goes all the way back to the ancient Egyptians. Of course, they weren't using voice-to-skull or pulsed microwaves or neuro-linguistic programming or EEG cloning, Uh, but the idea was the same. If you want to control a population, you hack into their minds. And whether uh, whether we admit it or not, we're all brainwashed, some more than others. Some of us are resisting with every fiber of our being. Others, well, let's just say their brains have been washed, put through the rinse cycle, and carefully hung to dry. Edward Bernays was an Austrian-American and a pioneer in the field of public relations and propaganda. In fact, he's referred to as the father of public relations. Here's what good old Eddie had to say about mind control. The conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of this unseen mechanism of society, rather, sorry, let me back up there. Um, the conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling power of our country. We are governed, our minds are molded, our tastes formed, our ideas suggested, largely by men we have never heard of. This is a logical result of the way in which our democratic society is organized. Vast numbers of human beings must cooperate in this manner if they are to live together as a smoothly functioning society. In almost every act of our daily lives, whether in the sphere of politics or business, in our social conduct or our ethical thinking, we are dominated by the relatively small number of persons who understand the mental processes and social patterns of the masses. It is they who pull the wires which control the public mind. Coming up next, Marie Jones, Mind Wars, and who's been watching you from the shadows? Now, where's my wacky neighbor with that flashlight when I need him? I'm Richard Serrett, and you're listening to Coast to Coast AM. Marie D. Jones is the best-selling author, screenwriter, researcher, public speaker. She's the author of 2013, End of Days or a New Beginning, Envisioning the World After the Events of 2012. And also, uh, together with her 
uh, co-author Larry Flaxman. Uh, she's uh, authored 1111, The Time Prompt Phenomenon, The Meaning Behind Mysterious Signs, Sequences, and Synchronicities, and uh, The Resonance Key, Exploring the Links Between Vibration, Consciousness, and the Zero Point Grid. And her latest, again with uh, Larry Flaxman, Mind Wars, a history of mind control, surveillance, and social engineering by the government, media, and secret societies. Marie, welcome back to Coast to Coast. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me back. Good to now, talk to you. Great to talk to you again. And uh, I hope I'm not telling tales out of school. Uh, I know uh, Larry Larry is pulling a, a, a late-night shift. Does he not work, did you tell me, at the home, Department of Homeland Security? Yeah, he's in Atlanta, though. He had a, a speaking event tonight in Atlanta, and, you know, it's just, you only got one of us, so, yeah. Well, we're, we're delighted to have you. No, I was just wondering whether the, uh, the Department of Homeland does. Security, is there any yeah, irony I should be reading in, uh, into that? I know, isn't that weird? Um, he works in, I believe, cybersecurity. Um, with computers and things like that. So, yeah, you know, he had a little bit of input, as uh, not a lot, but you, know, you can't talk too much about what you do, but uh, a lot of insight into some of the things that are going on. And, it, you know, certainly I'm sure we'll be talking about surveillance and uh, computer surveillance is a huge, you know, or the Internet is not uh, safe. I mean, people think that you go on the Internet and that everything you do is safe, and it just isn't. It's a free for all, people. So it's yeah, another that was tool. Really it's another yeah. It's another tool. Well, in the it is. It sure. is, and it's a wonderful tool. And I and I love the internet, and I love the way that it allows us to communicate with people all over the world and spread and share ideas. But it's also a big giant eye of Big Brother as well. Earlier, I read a, a quote from Edward Bernays, uh, considered the father of public relations: "The conscious and right. intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses." is nice. an important <laughs> element in democratic society. What do you think of that? Is it an important uh, element? <laughs> no, I think that that's, it goes against what a democratic society is. Uh, in a democratic society, you would think that you would be free to come to your own judgments and conclusions and have free thought and not constantly have this kind of uh, invasive coercion to try to get you to behave a certain way or consume certain products or think uh, certain thoughts, have certain beliefs. So, no, I think that these these propaganda men, these very slick PR men are so savvy. The way that they use language, it's very confusing, and it causes a cognitive dissonance in people where you don't know what's coming at you. Somebody's telling you something. But it means the exact opposite, and yet the way they said it, you think it means exactly what they, you know, it's so confusing. And I think that's why it works. And the what use it? of language and rhetoric, it's been around forever. It's been in politics. It's been in religion. We, I think we use language and rhetoric on each other in our everyday lives, too. Sure. I was just going to ask you whether uh, you think, I mean, to what extent is... Uh, brainwashing, brainwashing techniques, mind control, to what extent is it part of our makeup as human beings to want to manipulate the habits and opinions of people around us? I mean, bosses do yeah. this to em their employees. Parents do it to their children. Teachers to their uh, to their students. Is it is it part of being human? You know, exactly. And, and one of the places I think that you most see it happening is in relationships with spouses or love relationships, the kind of manipulation that people, you know, 
the lengths that people go to to try to get someone to approve of them. Yeah, it's everywhere. I think it's part of a basic human nature. I think ever since humans have walked the earth, we have been exercising some forms of mind control on each other. But I think at that time, it was more about survival, and I think it was directed towards individuals, whereas now we have social engineering where literally we have people trying to come up with new and improved ways to make us behave certain ways as a population, as a group. Yeah, I, I think that one form of brainwashing many people can relate to, and I certainly can, uh, is uh, it's become known as gaslighting, named after the uh, the movie Gaslight with, I think it was Ingrid Bergman back in the 40s. And I've had, I've had professional colleagues or, or people that have sort of uh, pretended to be friends that have tried to use gaslighting techniques. And, and we know certainly that abuse, abuse of spouses will use gaslighting in order to sort of engender confusion and anxiety in the victim by telling them that didn't happen or, uh, right. as you say, create crazy. cognitive dissonance. You're going yeah. crazy. And you know what's funny is I was almost reluctant to include a lot of that. Uh, we wrote quite a bit about narcissism and psychopaths and sociopaths and some of the methods that they use to control their victims, to make their victims weak, think they're going crazy. But we couldn't leave it out because it really does show you how this is a part of everyday life. This is a part of, you know, inner human communication. And it has nothing to do with the government. It has nothing to do with secret societies. This is us and the way that we treat each other. So that was something that we really felt strongly that we needed to kind of start with, to say, you know, we've been doing this to each other. Now let's go look at some of the ways that the government or the military or whoever the powers that be are are doing it to us as well. For a lot of us, we we, we think that uh, when we think of brainwashing or mind control, we think of the Nazi scientists who learned how to produce dissociative disorder in victims through mass trauma or abuse and right. drugs compartmentalized the brain, and then some of these doctors, these Nazis, ended up, They some of them escaped the, the hangman's noose at Nuremberg, and they ended up in the United States under Operation Oh, we Paperclip. shipped them over first class, didn't we? Well, <laughs> you know, we why, did, why did the U.S. Uh, feel a need to bring these scientists to America, and how did they put them to use? Well, Operation Paperclip is, is a fascinating subject. I've wanted to write about it for years. I know that there's a couple of really quality, high-quality books out about it now. But apparently right after World War II, we bought over a number of top-level scientists and engineers and uh, weapons and aerodynamics specialists because we wanted to learn their secrets before the Soviets did. This is really sort of a counterintelligence program of us versus the Soviet Union. And yet the funny thing is, here we were coddling some of the worst criminals that ever walked the earth because they had brilliant minds, because they had advanced technology. And a lot of them were involved in types of mind control, using torture, using drugs, uh, severe interrogation experiments. And we, boy, we picked right up on that, and we began uh, MKUltra. In the, in the 1950s. So the way that we watched the Nazis interrogate and torture people, we, we picked it up and ran with it as well. And I think originally the, the 
motivation was, well, you know, if the Soviet Union gets a leg up on us, we've got to know these techniques. We've got to stay one step ahead of them. But it really did develop into something much more sinister, much broader in, in scope. Can you just spend a, a few moments here and explain how fracturing someone's psyche uh, and, and creating this dissociative disorder can turn them into uh, a spy or an assassin? Absolutely. This is one of the main methods for breaking someone down uh, is torture, is abuse. A lot of uh, MK Ultra victims claim that they were abused since childhood because, you know, if you start with a child, you've got a pure, a pure mind that's just going to be so easy to break. But hypnosis was a very powerful tool. And the idea was to take the original personality destroy it. Almost like the way that you destroy somebody's personality in boot camp so that you can rebuild them as a Marine, you know, as a soldier, you rebuild a new, stronger identity or personality. So what they did here is they destroy the original personality and they replaced that using hypnosis with what are called alters. Now these alters are just altered, alternate personalities. And one can be an assassin. You know, one can be trained in martial arts. One can be, uh, for women, uh, someone who sexually seduces men and has sex with them. One can be a, a spy. One can be a thief. So each of the alters is given a job to do. And the way that they work is that they're given triggers. And the trigger can be a visual. It can be a word, a phrase. Um, if anybody saw the movie Conspiracy Theory with Mel Gibson, he was an MK Ultra victim. His trigger was every time he would see a paperback copy of Catcher in the Rye, it would trigger one of his alters to come through. Isn't that interesting? Is, because Chapman, um, uh, Lennon's murder murderer, yes. uh, sat down on the curb immediately after uh, killing John Lennon and started thumbing through his copy of J.D. Yeah, Salinger's catcher in the rye. <laughs> and, you know, and the, the great thing that they do is that they make sure that the altar, so say what they want to do is trigger the altar that's an assassin to go assassinate the president. Um, they make sure that the, the through the hypnosis, the altars don't remember what they've done. So when you come back to the original personality or the lead personality, because I think the original personality of these people is probably pretty much decimated. Uh, they don't remember. And I know a lot of people talk about Sirhan Sirhan, and you know, he, to this day, how he and his lawyer insist he doesn't remember shooting RFK. He doesn't remember a lot of the uh, testimony that he's given, the psychiatric evaluations he's had have suggested that possibly he was an MK Ultra victim as well. I'm not he saying, you know, that, that lady with the polka dot dress. Yeah, he just remembers the lady in the polka dot dress. Trigger. Yeah. yeah, there you go. There's your trigger. And a big urn of coffee, oh. perhaps with a little rohypnol. Yeah, exactly. But it, it's just absolutely, it, it reads like a conspiracy fiction, you know, novel. But this is real stuff. This is stuff that's come out and declassified documentation, uh, yeah, our, and our government has admitted that they were involved in it. The CIA ran MKUltra. This is not um, this is not a conspiracy. This is real stuff. Marie Jones is with us, uh, the co-author of Mind Wars, a history of mind control, surveillance, and 
social engineering by the government, media, and secret societies. We'll, we'll touch on social engineering, uh, which is perhaps a very sophisticated and uh, um, yeah. subtle form of, of, of brainwashing and mind control. Uh, we're, we're coming up on a break here, and let's start the conversation now, and, and then we'll continue. I, I want to talk about one of the, the you know, the, the classic case studies of, of MK Ultra and, and mind control, and that is uh, the case of Carol Rutz, uh, yeah, which is told yeah. in, in her book, A Nation Betrayed. Who was Carol Rutz, first of all? She apparently was taken as a child and subjected to a number of uh, abusive, sexual abuse, ritual, torture, oh, you name it. She went on to write an amazing book, if anybody ever wants to read it. Let me see if I can get the exact name of it so I don't fumble that. But she's one of the most widely regarded MK Ultra victims because she's been so outspoken about everything that happened. Oh, it's called A Nation Betrayed, The Chilling True Story of Secret Cold War Experiments on Our Children and Other Innocent People. And that book is available on Amazon or anywhere um, but, yeah, she was victimized in every possible sense you could think of. And I was lucky enough to get some information from her and, and uh, Kathleen Sullivan and a number of other MK Ultra victims. And All right. We'll, um, we'll pick it up on the other side, Marie. Excuse me. We'll uh, uh, take a break, and then we'll uh, pursue further the case, the tragic case of Carol Rutz as the zombies take us in with This Will Be Our Year. You're listening to Coast to Coast AM. My name is Richard Serrett. Filling in for George Norrie, and that is the unmistakable voice of Linda Ronstadt. This is going back to uh, 1967, and uh, she was in a folk rock trio called the Stone Ponies. And uh, this is a cover of Mike Nesmith's different drum. Mike Nesmith, of course, from the Monkees, and I continue my one-man crusade to have the Monkees installed into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Such an underappreciated band. And uh, that was really one of the the, uh, the great things uh, that I, I, I enjoy about Linda Ronstadt is that she she has such an eclectic mix of music, and she often uh, will pick songs from underappreciated songwriters. Different drum by the Stone Ponies. Uh, let me uh, just remind you that Marie Jones is uh, standing by. We'll get back to our conversation about Mind Wars, a history of mind control, surveillance, and social engineering by the government, media and secret societies uh, in just a few moments. The funny thing, not so funny, but one of the interesting things about a lot of these mind control programs, and they are real, they they did exist, and in some quarters people believe they still do exist, uh, they have such innocuous-sounding names like Project Bluebird and Monarch. What do we think of Monarch? We, uh, we think of butterflies and artichoke, Project Artichoke. I like artichokes. I like a nice fricassee once in a while. Uh, such wonderful names for such hideous, evil projects. We'll get back to all of that. And uh, we'll also talk about Carol Rutz, a classic case of uh, mind control and MK Ultra. When my conversation with Marie Jones continues right here on Coast to Coast AM. Marie Jones is with us, co-author of Mind Wars, A History of Mind Control, Surveillance, and Social Engineering by the Government, Media, and Secret Societies. Uh, Marie, we, uh, before the break, we uh, began discussing the case of Carol Rutz, uh, A Nation Betrayed. This is a chilling case of, of uh, MK Ultra. 
Right. And, and now, she was she was was she not claiming that she was turned over to the CIA at the age of nine by her own grandfather? Actually, much younger. But I want to give a little backstory first because the man that put her through hell, so to speak, was the sort of Canadian head of. Now, MK Ultra was going on in the United States. There were a number of uh, institutions, colleges, prisons, orphanages, um, pharmaceutical companies that were involved. But there were also some experiments being done in Canada under the uh, supervision of a psychiatrist named Donald Ewan Cameron. He is That's right. a notorious figure. Uh, he was, or he became known for very torturous experiments called psychic driving, which basically he used drugs, he used uh, deprivation, he used electric torture, you name it, to wipe out a person's mental programming, just wipe out their personality and implant new memories, implant a new personality. And that leads us to Carol, who was one of his victims. And by the way, um, there were there were a number of monetary payouts made by the CIA because of Cameron's Cameron, quite illegal work. Not that any of it should have been legal, but right, uh, right. He, he's just such a notorious figure. But anyway, this was so, at Allen Memorial Hospital in McGill University in Montreal. Right, and right. women would go in there for postpartum depression. Yeah, and, from he, postpartum. And, and people would go in for alcoholism treatment, and he would just be doing whatever he felt. I mean, he was just crazy. But he did it under this wonderful guise of, you know, scientific research. Uh, and I think a lot of psychiatrists and psychologists and uh, researchers involved with MKUltra had wonderful excuses for the abuse and the torture. There was always a great reason, you know, for the greater good. But apparently Carol was turned over at the age of four. Uh, and this was in 1952 by her own grandfather, and one of the things that we hear from a lot of MK Ultra victims is that their family members were either involved with the research or knew about it or had connections to people doing it and literally turned their children over like, now here, take them. Uh, I can't even imagine doing that with my own child. But anyway, for, so from a very early age, she was subjected to everything from, you know, electroshock, drugs, LSD, trauma, sensory deprivation. And again, it was all done to split the personality and create alters. Uh, she even re makes a reference to the Manchurian candidate. I mean, she we have a quote where she said um, the goal of MKUltra was to turn children into warriors who would be the perfect Manchurian candidates, perfect spies and assassins ignorant of their orders, fitting into society easily and anonymously until a code is used to awaken them and send them into action. So there's that trigger, that code. Um, she you was, liken it to the uh, you liken it in the book to uh, the, the children now. It, it's very popular at birthday parties. They you go and you build a bear, so you can pick out the yeah. bear you want and stuff it and put you know dress it how you want. You, right, you make it just how you want it. You know, it it looks the way you want it. It acts the way you want. You give it a name. You give it a personality. And that's exactly what they did with these poor kids. And um, she was, uh, when she was 12, she was, uh, I think she was involved in some horrendous electroshock. Well, it's not therapy. Let's not use that word. But very traumatic experiences. 
and that's when she started to split. She also talked about um, things like snakes being put on her body, and she'd be put in like a coffin with the lid closed. So they were using all kinds of fear tactics. And uh. and the idea, again, was to create alders, and she spoke of the different levels. I don't know if we have time before the next break, but there were literally different levels of programming and alter. Yeah, this is important. Uh, let's discuss. We have some okay, time. Okay, let's go through those. So, so the general programming, the, there was a control personality. Let's say that's the base personality, and that would be the alpha uh, beta would be sexual programming, and they would do that with everything from rape to prostitution, um, destroying any moral conviction, destroying ethical ethical beliefs, uh, destroying inhibitions, using child pornography. Uh, then you have the Delta. Now, everybody knows of all the action movies, you know, Delta this, Delta that. Well, the Delta was the sleeper assassin or trained killer alter. Like the born so identity. Now, right. So now when you see Delta Force or you know, these movies with the word Delta, maybe they have something to do with this. But anyway, they were trained to have no fear. They were trained to use any number of weapons or martial arts or killing techniques. They were also trained in the disposal of bodies, which I find very interesting. And then, of course, once they come out of these altars, they don't remember. Uh, Theta is called a psychic killing that is used with subjects, and you're going to love this, who display a high level of ESP or psychic abilities. So they have psychic spies. They have psychic assassins. I mean, no. you know, we talk, <laughs> we all talk about the paranormal a lot. That's, that's no. wild. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I knew about, I, I, we know about Operation uh, or Project sure. Stargate when we had psychic right. soldiers, and we've seen the movie and Men the Staring Ghosts. experiments that have been going on. So here's this, this child who was going through this. The final one is Omega, and I think this one is the most interesting. This is the self-destruct program. So they, they may carry out whatever their mission was and whatever altar was required to perform that mission, and then it's just like that Mission Impossible, you know, after 60 seconds, this tape will self-destruct. Well, the Omega Altar was responsible for destroying memories, for destroying... And what I've heard is that a lot of these victims, literally after they committed some major act, committed suicide. What a great way to make sure that your victim never talks or never remembers never snaps out of this and starts naming names and have them die very mysteriously or have them take their own life. Right, right. It's all so neat and tidy, isn't it? It is, it is. How much of the Carol Rutt story how much of the Carol Rutt story can be verified? Well apparently when you know, most of the documents uh, the at the, the Richard Helms when he was head of the CIA at the time, uh, there was a committee hearing in it was 1973, most of the documents associated with MKUltra he ordered destroyed. We'll never see them. But apparently a number later were found through a Freedom of Information Act. I'm not sure who put that through, but there were some 20,000 pages of documentation that have now been declassified. And all of the things that Carol and others like her have been saying were right there in writing. 
Now, again, I don't want to discredit anyone because I wasn't there. But you could ask the question, did these people just, you know, suffer a severe abuse as a child and maybe, you know, develop this identity? Maybe they read about this stuff and sort of took on the identity. And I know that's a question often asked of UFO abductees. Did they see a lot of movies and just all of a sudden adopt this identity? We really don't know. But she's not the only one. And so much of what she has documented in her book, and I know she was speaking a lot, writing articles for magazines, is right there in those declassified documents. And this is, uh, I mean, these techniques uh, go back to the Second World War. We're talking 70 years ago. Uh, yeah. Think about, you know, what they could be doing now, uh, no longer needing to use, uh, you know, mass trauma or, or, or uh, sexual abuse or drugs. Could it all be done remotely? Uh, with? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, one of the big questions was, well, after all these Senate hearings and after congressional attention was focused on MKUltra and it was shut down, <laughs> quote unquote, did it continue? Well, yes. I mean, I think that we all know that this, these things don't just go away. However, what I think obviously happened was that it, it naturally morphed into a much more sophisticated method of mind control, of surveillance, of controlling people. And so today we have things like electronic and microwave harassment. Uh, we have this wonderful technology that's been patented since the 1960s called V2K, Voice to Skull Technology, where you can literally send uh, pulses into somebody's brain and they will receive them, they will hear them as clicks or tones and, and even voices, usually words or short phrases. So now we can get into people's heads from a distance. We don't have to take them when they're four years old from their family, you know, often some black car with blacked out windows to some remote location. We, we can be controlled from a remote location, and we don't even know it. Many people listening, uh, Marie, when they hear, okay, someone's hearing voices in their head, they automatically assume a schizophrenia. How do we separate cases of, of a mental illness, psychosis, paranoid delusion, uh, schizophrenia from someone who is, in fact, being targeted. And apparently, by by some estimates, there are something like 300,000 North Americans. Yeah, and I think that's just the people that are willing to talk about it. Uh, you know, it's like when you try to estimate how many people have been raped. Well, let me tell you, most women will never report it. So that's only the people that have become aware that something was happening to them. And again, you know, you, you think about something like schizophrenia. When somebody hears voices in their head, they go to the doctor. That's going to be one of the diagnoses that they come up with. Nobody is going to say to them, well, you may be a victim of non-lethal harassment. You know, it's just not going to happen unless you have a really smart doctor who's up on this. But hearing the voices in the head or the clicks or the pulses or the tones is just one of the many symptoms associated with someone who is under this kind of harassment. And I'll just read a few. There's a, we have a whole list in here of what people have reported, but uh, hallucinations, extreme fatigue and headaches, you know, excruciating headaches that come on suddenly, 
twitches. People may hear footsteps inside, outside, or around their home when there's nobody there. Uh, just a surreal sense of, of being watched. Some people are gang-stalked, and this is literally, they're stalked by a group of individuals who follow them, who call their name out, they hear their name in conversations, and there's a group of people that they don't can't even identify. Um, some people have reported brighting, where they'll be out on the freeway or on a or side street, and some people will turn their headlights on, and it just keeps happening over and over, so it's not a coincidence. Um, strange objects being left in their homes or near their homes in their workplace, noise harassment. Uh, another one that I thought was really interesting and that I've actually heard associated with UFO abductees as well is having people break into your home and having evidence of forced entry, but they don't take anything. In other words, it's almost like it's a scare tactic. Right, right. They're, they're trying they're to drive these people around the bend. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, they're literally weakening them mentally and physically. And the, the people that are suffering this, there's a name for them. They're called TIs or targeted individuals. And a lot of these TIs report that they are so beaten down by this activity that, you know, you it's almost like having chronic fatigue syndrome. You just don't have the energy to, to do anything to go to work. Some of them have, have gotten together into groups and are fighting back, but they all report feeling sick all the time, feeling weak, um, just, you know, a constant fear or terror. They don't really know what of. I, I can understand the twisted... Who are you going to report it to? I mean, are you going to call the sure. police and tell them? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're yeah. totally isolated because they've been discredited uh, with their families, their friends, their colleagues. Um, yeah. I can understand yeah, the but... twisted logic in wanting to create, let's say, a mule, uh, uh -huh. where you know you fracture their psyche, you compartmentalize the brain, and in one of those altars, as you described, you, you put some information. And that person, the, the victim, uh, the spy, doesn't even know that they're carrying this exactly. information. Yeah, they have a handler on the other side. But but to what end are we drive? Are, are the the perps? And we can discuss later who they might be. To what end? You know, driving someone around the bend, almost to the point of wanting to to take their own life. What is the purpose of that? What does it serve? In some cases, the targeted individual knew. So, for example, they might have been a whistleblower. Uh, whether it be a corporation or maybe a government or military whistleblower. So they kind of knew there was a reason why they're being, uh, the idea is to shut them up, basically. But the vast majority are not associated with big, monstrous corporation. They don't have anybody in their family that has access to top-secret government files, and they just don't know. So the thought is, the consensus is, that they're just going to use the guinea pigs to test this technology. You know, it's well, just like we, we throw a bunch of rhesus monkeys or rats into a lab. Not what, I'm not sure what's happening there, Marie. Your voice is fading out. Maybe oh, we're all boy. being targeted. There, 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 you're back. You're back. Okay. All right. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them just don't make and have any kind of connection that they feel would would explain why they've been targeted. And well, that, I think, is very frightening, because that means any of us are targets. Well, speaking of which, uh, I understand that during the research of this book, you started...
started to have some rather strange occurrences. You, you mentioned voice-to-skull technology, which we know exists. Mm-hmm. You can read the patents <laughs> online. But what happened to you, Marie? Well, I was living in a different location at the time, and I was in the middle of writing the book. And I work, you know, I work at home. It's very quiet. I would start to have, uh, and I'm a ham radio operator, so I know what Morse code is. I would start to hear clicks and and almost like tones and pulses in my, in my head. And I thought, okay, you know, is this tinnitus now? Because I know tinnitus is completely different. And they were very structured. They had, uh, you know, different durations. And with Morse code, you have dots and you have lines, and they're of different durations so that you can identify the letters that are being sent. Um, and it went on for a couple of months. I would also be sitting, and if I had my feet, both feet on the ground while I was working on the book or typing, I could feel uh, sort of an electric pulse going up my feet into my legs. Let me just jump in here, Marie. We'll continue the story after the break. This is harrowing. Sounds like you may have been targeted. The early stages of Voice to Skull. Johnny Cash, the man comes around, taking us into the break. Richard Serrett sitting in for George Norrie. Back to more of my conversation with Marie Jones on Mind Wars here on Coast to Coast AM. Stay with us. Shadows of the Night, Pat Benatar. Going back to uh, September 1982, if you can believe it. Lead single from her fourth album entitled Get Nervous. Apparently we all have a lot to be nervous about. Uh, And uh, we'll get back to uh, our conversation on brainwashing, mind control, surveillance with Marie Jones, the author of Mind Wars, in uh, just a few moments. Richard Serrett sitting in for George Norrie. Just want to spend a a moment here uh, to uh, remind you of my upcoming uh, conference entitled Follow the Truth 2, just happening about an hour east of where I'm sitting in Oshawa, the beautiful Regent Theater. And uh, speaking of electronic surveillance, uh, Dr. John Hall, um, who knows a little something about uh, electronic surveillance? He's the author of Guinea Pigs, uh, Technologies of Control, is uh, flying in as we speak. We'll be landing uh, in just a few hours. I'm going to go and pick him up from the airport, actually. And uh, he's going to be appearing at my conference. Again, Follow the Truth 2, and that is Sunday, April the 26th, in the evening. We'll also have an exact replica of the Shroud of Turin. Uh, the actual Shroud is now on tour for the first time in a number of years. Uh, if you don't get a chance to see that, here's your next best thing. You can get real, uh, you know, up close with the exact replica, a rare opportunity. We'll discuss uh, whether or not the Shroud of Turin is, in fact, the burial cloth of Jesus Christ, or is it a medieval hoax? And uh, we'll also uh, talk with a, a noted JFK assassination researcher who smuggled an illegal copy of the Zapruder film into Canada back in 1970, and he'll unpack the Zapruder film frame by frame We'll also talk about the lost and found tribes of Israel. Uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley will be here as well to uh, conduct a spirit communication experiment live on stage. That's all part of Follow the Truth 2, happening at the Regent Theatre, Sunday, April the 26th, 7 to 10 p.m., hosted by yours truly. And for more information, you can go to followthetruth.tv. Followthetruth.tv. Back to more of my conversation with Marie Jones, author of Mind Wars, when Coast to Coast continues right after this. Welcome back to Coast to Coast AM. Richard Serrett sitting in for uh, George Norrie. And on the line is Marie Jones, the author of, or co-author, I should say, of Mind Wars, A History of Mind Control, Surveillance, and Social Engineering by the Government, Media, and Secret Societies. And we will take calls 
beginning at the bottom of the hour for Marie. So if you have a question, comment, uh, perhaps you suspect uh, you are a targeted individual or you'd just like to talk generally about uh, brainwashing techniques, mind control, surveillance, uh, then that will be your opportunity. Again, at the bottom of the hour, and just a reminder, at the top of the next hour, we will begin our open line segment, and I'm sure some of you may want to continue on with this conversation. Uh, Marie, uh, before the uh, the last break, you were uh, talking about how you began to suspect, while you were researching mind wars, that you yourself may have become a targeted individual. You began to hear some strange noises. Mm-hmm. Um, before I do, I have to say a very quick happy birthday to a huge coast-to-coast fan named Brett Morris, who was so thrilled, Richard, that you were having me on as your guest on his birthday. So happy birthday, Brett. Ah. <laughs> happy birthday, <laughs> but, Brett. Yes, yeah, indeed. Happy birthday, Brett. But yeah, so anyway, um, I was having that happen. It was before I got into the research for the chapter where I learned about V2K. So then once I did, because I kept thinking, well, maybe I have a sinus issue or the pulsing in the legs. Maybe it's multiple sclerosis. I knew that that was a symptom. I went to the doctor a few times. She said, you're fine. Um, So then once I got into the research and writing that chapter, I thought, oh, this is really interesting. It, It didn't scare me so much as I found it incredibly annoying because there were times in the middle of the night it would happen and I couldn't sleep. I, it wouldn't stop. But here's one interesting thing. So I moved from that, lo- I finished the book regardless, and I moved from that location a little under a year ago and it stopped. And I have only experienced it maybe once or twice since and very briefly. At the time it was happening, I lived at the top of a hill. I got great cell phone great internet, great ham radio reception. I now live at the bottom of a little valley by a golf course where we get nothing. And I always had that thought that, you know, I'll be damned if maybe they could do this when I was sort of a sitting duck at the top of the hill where I lived before. And now I'm in a location where it's just not coming through. So I have no idea what happened. I I was absolutely fascinated by it. Um, it was not ringing in the ears. I've had that before. I used to go to rock concerts when I was a teenager. <laughs> I know what that sounds like. Right, right. Uh, I, I've been told that, that with the V2K, the voice to skull, uh, that it, it at times initially it will begin with what seems like tinnitus, and then yes, it will develop it into is. the full-blown yes. voices. It's almost as if the perps are sort of at, uh, trying to attenuate or 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 figure out the, the proper frequencies the right in order frequency. to exactly right. yeah and I did there were a couple of occasions where I did hear words now I attributed it to the fact that I lived in a condo and maybe I was hearing my neighbors um, we had pretty pretty soundproofed walls but people have reported hearing phrases some people say they hear whole conversations uh, and I can imagine that after a while you just because it, especially if you're trying to sleep, it, it was so annoying to me. And I thought, how do I make this stop? I would get up, I'd turn the TV on, I'd walk around, and it just would keep going, the pulses and the tones. And, and then it would just kind of go away on its own. But I can imagine if somebody is really, really being bombarded with this, how quickly you can start to just lose it. Well, you you got a little taste of it, but if if in fact you were being targeted, why did why do you think they stopped? Were they just warning you? 
I like to joke about this, but it may be true. I, you know, I'm pretty stubborn. I mean, if their purpose was, uh, if they were pulsing me in Morse, Morse code, stop writing the book, yeah, I wasn't going to stop. And I think maybe at some point they may have just said, forget it. <laughs> She's not going to stop. I don't know. I don't know if it's because I moved from the location where it was easy for them to, you know, again, I, I got amazing reception for everything at that location. And and now it's the exact opposite. But that was the only thing I could think of. It's never happened to me when I was writing any of the books I've written about cutting edge science or the paranormal or metaphysics or super volcanoes, just this one book. So I thought that was very, very coincidental. Um, I had a, a someone send me a question by email, and they were wondering whether HARP uh, may be involved. This is, of course, the the array of radio towers in the Copper Valley in Alaska. Some people think that once it's turned on, it can be used to manipulate the weather, move the jet stream. That it might be somehow involved in 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 mind control uh, on a massive scale. What are you What are your thoughts? It, it could be, but I think that the technology is there for. Uh, cell phone towers to be used. I don't know that anybody would need to go to that extreme unless their goal was, you know, sort of wide-scale V2K, wide-scale manipulation, because it really doesn't take a whole lot to do this. You could probably come up with a little uh, remote control device that can do this. So I'm not sure you need to go to something that to that big an extent unless your purpose is to send out a message to all of humanity or try to control a large group of people. And that is very possible. This is kind of a dicey a subject, but, I mean, it has to be addressed. You, you talk about it in the book. Uh, and, and, and since we, we've, we've already drawn the connection between uh, you know, Project Artichoke and Project Bluebird and MKUltra and the CIA, mm-hmm. uh, it has been suggested uh, that rather than just train spies you know, uh, t- to use against our enemies, real and imagined, uh, that they are these uh, trained assassins or these uh, Manchurian candidates are being used against uh, American citizens, us. Um, and we, we're all familiar, of course, with these tragic shootings. And, and, Absolutely. And Aurora and yeah. yeah, the shooter syndrome. Do you put any credence in that? I mean, as as, as nefarious and almost as tasteful as that, as that is to imagine, what are your thoughts? Let's put it this way. I didn't until I wrote the book. Um, my feeling was there's nut jobs out there with guns, and some of them are going to snap. And that certainly happens. But <laughs> after looking at some of the unbelievably creepy connections that people have come up with with the the, um, Aurora Theater shootings, James Holmes and Adam Lanza, the uh, Sandy Hook, and his father being involved in some financial scam. Uh, You know, after seeing these unusual connections that other people were making, I couldn't discount it. Now, and again, also reading about Sirhan Sirhan and the claims that he's been making since he was arrested, um, I know that there are that there are cults that can control people. Manson had the ability to send out members of his family, quote unquote, quote, to do his, you know, dirty murders for him. Why would that not be something the government would consider? 
Well, you mentioned now, Manson, and obviously he didn't right. have V2K at his disposal. What did he use, like oh. neuro-linguistic oh. programming? He was just charismatically crazy. You know, it's really funny because a lot of these cult leaders, they're crazy, but they're crazy in a way that seems to attract other people. I mean, with Manson, he really appealed to uh, the the sense of, you know, we're sort of uh, we're outcasts. He, he tried his hand at being a musician, wasn't super successful, but he always seemed to find the outcasts. And it, this was at a time, too, when people were doing drugs and people hung out together that did drugs, and he was able to use that as well. He, he just was charismatic. Look at Jim Jones. Look at David Koresh. Now, would you or not you or I follow one of these gentlemen? I don't think so, but believe it or not, Cults, um, I've heard people say, well, you have to be stupid to join a cult. Well, that's not true. There's been a number of studies to show that their members are highly intelligent people. Uh, T and Doe of the Heaven's Gate cult, their members were very much computer savvy. They, they were way up on technology. They were very intelligent. There is some kind of charismatic element, and they use language. They use rhetoric. They... They make you feel like, hey, you know, you're an outcast like me, but we could be outcasts together. Uh, sometimes they play upon, uh, you know, you're special, you're chosen, and that's a lot of religions do that as well. But I tend to consider religions cults. So they play upon the parts of human identity that are empty and need to be filled. And hey, that's what advertisers do. Yes, they do, and you can be incredibly intelligent, and they still still manage to get to you. Um, and I think sometimes, yeah, they attract people who are who maybe have no identity. And I think that there is a certain narcissism that these cult leaders have where they're able to pinpoint their victims. They're able to pinpoint codependents. They're able to pinpoint, you know, people who have very low self-esteem. Even if they are brilliant or intelligent, they just have no self-esteem. So you pick on the weakest members of society and you make them feel loved and part of a family, man, you can get them to do whatever you want. That's how cults operate. Now talk to me uh, about media and, and the brainwashing techniques that the major media outlets uh, use. You mentioned framing in, in the book Mind Wars. Explain how framing works. Oh, boy. I mean, what do they not do to try to get us, whether it's to try to get us to buy something, believe something, or behave in a certain way? The three Bs, uh, believe, behave, and buy. Uh, there's all kinds of different manipulative techniques. Framing is a way that you can change uh, the perception of the public or a large group of people by setting up a sort of foundation of information that you build your argument around. So that frame stays there, even if it's false information, even if it's lies or, uh, you know, it's, there's no fact to it. But you build your argument around it. It's like a picture frame. So you've got that solid frame on the outside, and then you can put whatever picture you want inside. But it's always going to be framed on the outside in a very specific way for a very specific purpose. This is the kind of stuff that happens. People don't even know it's being done to them. Of the use of rhetoric, the use of of language and specific phrases. I mean, 
sound bites, we are we fall under the spell of sound bites so easily. No new taxes. No freedom isn't free. Uh, close those borders. I mean, a lot of them have three words too, which really is impactful. Um, you know, you'll take my gun out of my cold, dead hands. Those types of things. Because change we really, can believe in. <laughs> yes, change we can believe in. What, what was the other one about hope? <laughs> Keep hope alive. But they're meant to stick in your brain. They're meant to seep into your subconscious, and a lot of them imply a positive connotation even though maybe they aren't necessarily positive. They also play upon our, our lack of intelligence. They play upon our uh, the fact that we're easily distracted. They play upon our fear and our inbuilt racism and sexist attitudes. And people can say, I'm not a racist, I'm not sexist, but guess what? Most of us have that within us. We have the capacity. And if somebody knows how to talk to us right, they can bring that out in us. That's what these people do. I mean, they have think tanks and organizations, the sole purpose of which is to figure out how to get us to behave a certain way as a populace. And the media is the perfect outlet to do that. And what about the public school system? Uh, And and I I perceive a lot of social engineering going on in the public schools. Uh, The end result seems to be that the, the state will raise the children and not the parents. Uh, how do you feel about, you about know, the use of I social engineering? Say, I, I mean, I'm a product of public schools, and I think I came out just fine. Um, my son, you know, his, the schools here in San Diego are absolutely amazing where we live. And I'm very much aware of this because I've researched and written it, about it a lot, and also because I'm, I have, I'm an advocate for my child as well. But I really think it depends on which public school system you're dealing with. I know that there are some, such as in the city that I live in, where it is pro-child, pro-education all the way. I know that there are other public school systems that are the exact opposite, and it's all about testing and, you know, farm the kids through, just graduate them, even if they're not ready. Yeah, so, it's triage. I, I get the sense that they're, exactly, in many senses, yeah, they're being trained them. to stack boxes. Exactly. Toe-tag them, you know. <laughs> Um, but but I don't think all schools are like that because I've been very fortunate to have my son in some of the most amazing schools with staff and teachers and principals that are so about the kids. But then I hear all the horror stories from people who don't. So I really think it just depends on where you are in the country. And that's kind of unfortunate. I mean, some kids are getting a, a real lucky break on their future and others are not. Um, One of the things that that oh, that I that I do hear about, and um, my my uh, children go to a, a private religious school, but it's even there, and that is what I perceive as almost traumatizing the children uh, when they talk about environmental degradation and you know the environmental catastrophe that's coming our way, whether it's man-made global warming, and and children, are, I feel or I fear, are being left. With, with despair and hopelessness that, that, you know, there's nothing we can do or that the, you know, things are so bad uh, that, um, you know, and, and, and that humans are to blame and, and humans are bad. And, and uh, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I just feel bad. that it's a form of abuse, really. It is. It's extreme. Now, I could, I could see a teacher thinking, oh, you know, we got to scare this, the future generations into action. But that's not the way you do it. 
Um, and I've not experienced that in in the schools that my son goes. My son actually is in a charter school right now for health reasons, but yeah, we've never experienced anything like that. But I, I think that that's very misguided teaching. Is it misguided uh, or is it deliberate? Is it social engineering? I don't know. I think, you know, from what I hear, there are teachers that are being busted all over for teaching their own agendas. And really, they're not supposed to be doing that. I don't think it's part of the general curriculum. I've not seen that in in my son's science books. He's 14 now. He's in eighth grade. Um, Maybe in some parts of the country it is. But that, yeah, that's definitely not something that, I mean, you want to teach them the facts as we know them. You want to teach them what's going on. Exactly. i got to jump in here. Them. got to jump in here, Marie. We'll uh, open up the phone lines and take calls. Coming up with Marie Jones as Led Zeppelin takes us into the break with Going to California. Richard Serrett sitting in for George Norrie right here on Coast to Coast AM. Stay with us. And that's of Monsters and Men, a little uh, song called Little Talks. And uh, we will get to your calls, questions, and comments for Marie Jones, co-author of Mind Wars, as we take a look at the history of mind control, surveillance, and social engineering by the government, media, and secret societies. And hopefully, Marie can also offer up some, maybe a, a self-defense guide. Uh, not only uh, you know the Faraday cage, which can provide some relief perhaps to uh, targeted individuals, but uh, a little more complex how we can uh, defend ourselves against things like social engineering and social programming by uh, the media, for example. Uh, just a reminder, I'll be back tonight to do it all over again, and perhaps we'll keep doing it until I get it right. But uh, in the first half of the program, Saturday night, that's tonight, I'll welcome David Kekich, who is the president of the Maximum Life Foundation, for a discussion about longevity life extension, anti-aging research, and why he believes that we will be living much longer lives. And then in the uh, second half of the program, crop circle investigator Patty Greer will detail the latest developments in crop formation research and how she thinks the phenomenon may change the course of human history forever. And that's uh, Patty Greer on crop circles, and that's Saturday night, tonight on Coast to Coast AM. Back with Marie Jones as we discuss Mind Wars, right here on Coast to Coast AM. We're back here on Coast to Coast AM. Richard Serrett sitting in for George Norrie. Marie Jones with us. Mind Wars, a history of mind control, surveillance, and social engineering by the government, media, and secret societies. Are you going to take some calls, Marie? Sure. All right, let's jump right in on the wild card line. Thomas is in San Diego. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Marie, my question for you, um, you mentioned the movie Conspiracy Theory with uh, Mel Gibson and Julia Roberts, and there have been other movies and TV shows that uh, many people suspect are sort of Hollywood disclosure of mind control. There's extensive ties with Hollywood, with the Pentagon and the intelligence agencies, but, uh, oh, for example, the second Manchurian Candidate movie, Denzel right. Washington and Meryl Streep, both gave interviews that uh, they were totally on board with the whole mind control issue. They researched it. They didn't. They weren't just handed the scripts. They right, did right. their own research, you know. Frank Sinatra 
gave an interview in the 1980s on the first Manchurian Candidate movie and said that when they made the movie, everybody, actors, producers, everybody was totally on board on the disclosure of mind control technology. Right, right. Uh-huh. And, you know, another yeah. a TV show that was very famous out of Britain in 1968 called The Prisoner with Patrick McGowan. And he had ties to MI6, the intelligence agency in Britain. And um, it's a cult classic today. It's amazing because it gets into trauma-based mind control, fracturing, uh, psychotropic right, right. drugs. And that type of thing. And so I'm wondering, you know, all these actors said, you know, they weren't just handed the scripts. They actually were on board. They did the research. You know, at the time, Patrick McGowan gave very interesting interviews in the 1960s on uh, mind control with the intelligence agencies. And then they outpictured this sort of as a form of disclosure, you know. Right. A lot like what's going on with the UFO community talking about how all of these UFO movies, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and you know, uh, uh, ET, and all these TV shows—are they part of a disclosure process, or are they just the result of the fascination of the writers or the directors who come up with the story? And that's really—it's really hard to make that discernment. But there is something called predictive programming, where it is suggested that a lot of the entertainment that we get, whether it's movies, television, uh, video games, novels, are literally planned to get us used to, to sort of disclose this information to us, to soften us up for maybe you know a, a larger disclosure to come. And it very well could be that that's what was going on. Uh, it's hard to say, because as a writer, I also write fiction and I write screenplays, and I can tell you that. If I'm fascinated by a subject, I want to write about that. So I may want to write a movie about mind control, um, and and that doesn't necessarily mean that somebody put that thought in my head. Then again, maybe they did. And that is what a lot of people think, that writers, directors, they're either being told to put this these types of em, uh, entertainment out there, or it's being suggested to them in a much more insidious way maybe via um, mind control. So I don't know, but it's just very intriguing that there are there's so many TV shows and movies and novels that talk about mind control in some form or another. Thomas, I appreciate the call. Thank you. Uh, well, Richard Condon, uh, who, who wrote The Manchurian Candidate, I, I often wondered whether he had some inside information. First of all, the, 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 uh, the term Manchurian Candidate. Uh, now, he... Did he coin that term, or did... did uh, he did, did, because in the movie, it was based on the Korean War. Now, supposedly, our POWs were brainwashed uh, during the Korean War, and that's what the Manchurian candidate was based on, but he he called the country Manchuria. Right, He right. didn't say Korea, but yeah, it was supposed to be based on the alleged uh, brainwashing that our POWs claimed to have been victims of during the Korean War. And, uh, yeah, it's fascinating because I know as a writer that sometimes you think up these things or you, you see that they're going on around you and you want to write about them. But at the same time, it does seem very manipulated at times, the entertainment that we are offered. 
the trends, um, you know, that maybe we're being softened up for a bigger blow that's that's down the road. You mentioned uh, uh, triggers, and, and we talked about uh, the, uh, the J.D. Salinger book, Catcher in the Rye, as a trigger uh, in Mel Gibson's conspiracy theory, uh, but also Mark David Chapman was reading uh, Catcher in the Rye at, when he was apprehended for after shooting Lennon. Uh, if memory serves, uh, uh, John Hinckley, who um, attempted to assassinate President Reagan, also uh, had a copy of, of uh, Catcher in the Rye. Are there... Um, are there films that are also uh, used as triggers? Because a lot of mind control uh, victims that I've talked about talk about uh, the uh, the Wizard of Oz, the movie. Yeah, isn't that something? <laughs> I don't know why. I think that it could be something that has a lot of symbolism makes a good trigger. I'm not sure why they would particularly pick that. Maybe because it was such a popular motion picture. Um, but a lot of times the trigger can be uh, it can be an auditory trigger, so it can be a phrase that they, it has to be heard over the phone or a cell phone or in person. Sometimes there are visual symbols. It can be an owl or you know a, a red star. Um, I, I Marie, would you like to pass the time with a little solitaire? Yeah. <laughs> there you go, huh? I, uh, I don't know if they. Oh, I was going to say, I don't know if they trigger, they use a trigger that they know the individual likes. Maybe they find that out ahead of time. All right, let's go to the wild card line yet again. And Zeus is checking in from Clearwater, Florida. Good morning, Zeus. Welcome to Coast. Hey, guys. Great show tonight. I just have a, a quick comment and a question, and I'll take it off the air. Um, there's a British magician named Darren Brown who has an episode called Assassin where he hypnotizes a guy to use a, a Hollywood special effects firearm to shoot a man in a crowded theater. Please check Ooh. that out. And I oh also wanted God. to ask if you had any stories regarding the Church of Scientology. Oh, yeah. I have a whole section in here. And I wish that the book would have been written later because I know this uh, documentary just came out, and I completely just based on the title, Clear Something? It just came out on Scientology. Yeah, very, very. They, they had a they had a team of lawyers working for four years apparently oh. uh, before they yeah. they launched that. Um, but the um, the idea of that someone can be hypnotized to do something that they wouldn't ordinarily do. We've long been told that you can't under hypnosis. Uh, you know, you wouldn't be made to do something you wouldn't ordinarily do. But that seems to fly in the face of of uh, you know MK Ultra and, and these things. I think they use hypnosis in conjunction with a lot of other methods that really sort of sealed the deal because I've heard, you know, I've read that as well. So I think that there was, you know, repeated or systematic abuse, um, drugs in conjunction with hypnosis, deprivation of some kind, you know, either food, water, or sensory deprivation in conjunction with hypnosis. Because, again, yeah, I don't know that hypnosis alone would be enough to do make somebody do something as heinous as assassinate another human being. So it was probably used in conjunction with a variety of other wonderful torture methods. And, of course, we know that torture goes way back to medieval times and probably before that as a, a great method by which you change somebody's behavior. The uh, Scientology doc was is called uh, Going Clear, apparently. Going Clear. Uh, I knew it had the word clear in it. 
Yeah, we we wrote a chapter on cults because, again, if you want to learn the sort of psychological insides and outs of mind control, cults are a perfect place to start, and Scientology. I heard an interview with John Travolta on the radio the other night, and he was talking about his beliefs and how positive they've been on his life. It was so lucid about it that I thought, wow, you know, have we been giving Scientology a short shrift? But I think that's part of the programming that they get. Uh, certainly everything that I've read about it, it just seems like such a sinister entity, and it really acts like a corporation. But it, aside like from that aspect, I mean, it is there is uh, some truth to the fact that things like neuro-linguistic uh, programming and even certain uh -huh. types of brainwashing are, are used to bring about positive behavioral changes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and we even included a chapter on the positive aspects of mind control. I mean, people have lost weight. They've stopped smoking. They've kicked bad habits using hypnosis, using, you know, certain types of thought control and behavior control. So and brain entrainment. It's not all bad. It's just that any time you have a technology that can influence the mind or the body, it's going to, you know, there are people that are going to use it for negative reasons as well. And obviously, the desire to get into somebody's mind and change their behavior and thoughts is something that governments all, all over the world probably put a whole lot of stock into. I mean, what uh, a wonderful way to keep your people in line. Absolutely. Let's go to the first-time caller line and welcome Jane, who's in Dallas this morning. Good morning, Jane. Welcome to Coast. Hello. Hi, Jane. Hi. Go ahead. Hi. Hi. Yeah. Um, I'm in my 40s now, but when I was a teenager, my parents put me into a what was it, it was supposed to be a it was supposedly a drug treatment center, but I had never done drugs. And what it really was was just a, um, a brainwashing facility. And I'm sorry, I'm kind of nervous right now. But, um, That's all right. You're among friends. Don't be nervous. <laughs> um, it was extremely traumatic, and I, I got through it. I, I actually ran away after six months. But um, there have been – there have been – several movies made about this place and books, several books written about this place. It was called, when I was in, it was called Straight Incorporated. And um, before that, it was called The Seed. And it was, um, it came out of California. Um, and from what I understand, it was initially um, paid for by the government. Uh-huh. To, to, they were interested in mind control, and um, they were paying for it to see, you know, what they could achieve with it. And then it, um, but then everyone kind of took off with it. And it, and um, I was just wondering if you'd ever heard about this place. Um, I've not heard those names, but you know, I mean, this kind of stuff was going on at a, a number of different locations, universities, and even corporations, um, prisons, orphanages, homes for, you know, foster kids or whatever. So, I mean, it, it could have very well been one. I don't know that I would necessarily say that during that time frame that it was part of 
MK Ultra, but it certainly could have been an offshoot. What it, you got out right away? Do you know if it's still operational, or that was just so long ago that well, you just well, of- yeah, because I, I, I mean, it was such it, you know, it affected my life so deeply that I, I have maintained contact, and there were so many people because it was it was spread out, it eventually spread out all over the United States, and even in the Canada and in Jamaica. Um, Yeah, there's a few of really good ones. And, you know, even on Facebook, 
uh, I'm a member of a couple of groups, targeted individual groups, and people are starting to find each other. That yeah, that's right. People like are waking up. People are waking up that this is yeah, real, Marie. Yeah. I, I really uh, appreciate you spending some time with us. This has uh, been very enlightening and somewhat disturbing, quite frankly. But uh, yes, thank you, Marie. Yes, absolutely it is. But to be aware and informed. Forewarned, forearmed, as they say. Mind wars. Thanks, Marie. Open lines. Your chance to steer this ship wherever you want to take it. We can continue in the conversation in the vein of uh, mind control, electronic harassment, if you'd like. Richard Serrett sitting in for George Norrie, back with more here on Coast to Coast AM. Sitting in for the indefatigable one, uh, George Norrie, taking a much-deserved uh, night off. And uh, we are heading into open lines. It's a national institution here on Coast to Coast AM your chance to shine, and I know you'll bring your A material. Uh, if you have a line uh, and you want to uh, discuss uh, mind control, electronic harassment, perhaps you believe you're a targeted individual, uh, hold on to that line, and we can uh, continue to pursue uh, that subject matter uh, throughout the course of the uh, evening and into the morning. Uh, here's another log I'd like to f uh, throw onto the fire, and uh, another interesting story that uh, Sean Lattisor has posted on the In the News section up at coasttocoastam.com, and it has to do with a, uh, a paranormal tour of a notorious prison in Ohio. It's called the Mansfield, Mansfield Reformatory, and uh, it was uh, hosted uh, by uh, Nick Groff. Um, he's a, um, the, uh, the host and the executive producer of a program called Ghost Adventurers. And uh, he led this tour, and uh, during the tour, apparently, overnight, uh, somebody uh, was attacked by some unseen force. And uh, you can read all about it, uh, again, at the uh, in the news section. It's called, We Investigated Mansfield Reformatory with Nick Groff and Got Attacked by a Ghost. And there's a photograph of the, um, the individual who was attacked, uh, sort of pushed down, and uh, then ended up with these strange sort of welts on his back. They almost look like scratches. Uh, I, I'll let you read the article and decide for yourself as to what happened, but um, I was recently talking to someone about haunted locations here in Toronto, and we have a number of very famous haunted locations, including um, the Keg Mansion on the Jarvis Street here in Toronto. And uh, people have reported going into the washroom and seeing the taps turn on by themselves. Uh, there's also a, um, a recurring... Uh, situation where people will see a shadow that appears to be swinging from a noose from a chandelier in the uh, in the main stairway, and uh, according to the the legend or the history of the Keg Mansion before it became a restaurant, uh, there was a housekeeper there that supposedly hanged herself. I'm not sure if that's an apocryphal story or not. However, that is the the legend of Keg Mansion, and many people that go there uh, hoping to have a nice steak dinner do so, but then they also have some sort of ghostly encounter. What, what I'm wondering is, what is the most haunted location in your neck of the woods? Let me just throw that out there. So if you'd like to uh, respond to that, we'll make the phone lines available to you. And when we come back, we'll also pursue mind control, electronic surveillance, and uh, social engineering right here on Coast to Coast AM. Stay with us. And away we go. It's open lines, and we'll go with uh, Lee on the wildcard line calling in from Los Angeles. Lee, good morning. Welcome to Coast. 
Hey, guys, how are you doing today? Very well, thank you. That's good, that's good. Uh, listen, uh, I just wanted to say that, uh, Richard, I'm a targeted individual. I've been targeted since 2011. And uh, I actually uh, testify in front of the Board of Police Commissioners uh, on the post-traumatic stress disorder that uh, firemen and, and, uh, and police suffer from. And that's one of the reasons that they targeted me, because I know just how bizarre and mentally ill cops are. They, they, it may be 90% of cops and firemen are actually mentally ill, and post-traumatic stress is a mental illness. It's, it, it, it's uh, considered a mental illness by the, uh, the uh, American Psychiatric Association. So, Lee, let me just, just stop you there just so that I understand and we're on the same page. You believe you are being targeted because you have information that a certain percentage of uh, police department officials, firefighters, uh, are suffering from post-dramatic stress disorder. Yeah, no, that's not why. See, uh, I didn't know why I was targeted at first. I didn't know that's what it was. I started doing my research. They just started targeting me. I, I come home from work one night. I got up at 9 o'clock and... And uh, the, the police helicopter, I, I ride a bicycle uh, uh, almost a mile from my, from my former job to where I live in downtown Los Angeles. And the helicopter uh, put its light on me and started flickering my light back and forth. And that was in 2011. And uh, when I got home that first night, uh, I took off, you know, I, I took off my clothes and the, the sirens went off. And they had been doing that for like three weeks. So I, I decided to do it. Uh, uh, an experiment. When I got home, I left my clothes on because I'm a night owl. I'll stay up all night watching TV and watching movies, two, three in the morning. And I left my clothes on. I didn't hear a thing. As soon and I, I share a uh, a communal bathroom where I where I am. And I took my clothes off to go take a shower. And as soon as I did that, the sirens went off. And that's when I realized. And then they started coming past my window. With the uh, floodlight, you know that floodlight that they have on the ladder truck. Right, right. When oh, the fire. Are you saying the fire department is involved as well? Yeah, it, it's mostly the fire department. Every now and then, the cop comes by, hits the horn and siren, and then as soon as they they get by my place, they turn it off. Well, these the, the firemen came by and uh, and they hit my my window with that floodlight. And there was only one reason to use that floodlight. It's when you're fighting a fire. But they hit my as soon as they. They, they came around the corner, hit my life with the, uh, my window. Not, Lee, I'm yeah. not quite understanding the connection between this, uh, and I would refer to this probably as organized stalking. Uh, right. when you, why you're being targeted and what this has to do with your notion that a certain percentage of firefighters and police suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. Are you saying that, that it, it is your, that the perps, in, in your case, are individuals that are mentally ill. Correct. And, and and I'm saying because they suffer, you know, these, these people have seen horrific things. I mean, these people have seen burned bodies, and they got that, that smell of a burned body firing up their nose, and you can't get that stuff out of your head. Uh, the, the, the father's murdered the entire family, and, and the, the, the nine-year-old head's blown off while it was sleeping, and the, the white pill is soaked with blood. See, I, I, I all I do is I will actually describe this to, to people, and they get sick. These people have actually seen it. <laughs> you 
you understand what I'm saying? Well, we yeah, we all we all understand that that police and firefighters have seen some pretty uh, incredible or indelible, uh, you know, horrific things. But I don't quite understand how you make that leap that because that happens to them that they're going to suddenly start stalking you. I mean, I'm I'm not discounting that these things are, are aren't happening to you, but I'm just trying to understand what why you believe it's uh, due to their post-traumatic stress disorder? Well, well, remember, Richard, post-traumatic stress disorder changes your personality. And understand one thing. I live right across the street from from fire station number nine. Those are the ones that have been stalking me. They actually came into my, my work at, after stalking me for two years. They came, they decided, they come by my place of business, blaring their horns and fires. As soon as they came, they, 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 they got past, they turn them off. And that would go on. 20, 30 times a day. Can you imagine a fire and hit your place 20, 30 times a day? And and finally, I filed a a, 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 a complaint with their uh, with the professional standard division. And and uh, once I did that, they knew I was on to them. And it got even worse after that. Once I filed the the complaint with the professional standard division. And and here's the crazy thing, Richard. Uh, one of their uh, 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 one of these fire chiefs came out to meet me at, at uh, Denny's downtown, and I showed him, you know, them coming by my place with the light, hitting my window with the light, and he said, now, you say they were gang-stalking you. And I said, wait a minute. I said, what's that? He says, now, this happened in 2012. He said, you said they were gang These people, these uh, farmers were gang-stalking you. I said, I never said that. I said, car-stalking. I didn't even know what gang-stalking was until he said it. He was right, a, he was a right. fire captain, and he said it. He said, I said, what's gang stalking? He said, well, that's what you wrote the letter for. I said, no. I said, call stalking. I don't know what gang stalking is. And he said, well, you wrote the letter. I said, let me see the letter. He wouldn't let me see the letter because I put call stalking in there. I didn't but why you, me. Lee? Why you? Is it possible that there's a firefighter across the street that has some personal vendetta against you? Or, no, no, hang on to your hat. Or... There is a large number. Remember, I told you when I took my clothes off, the, 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 the sirens went off. And they kept doing that every night for three weeks. Or there's a large number of, of, uh, of, of gay firefighters and gay policemen on the down low who see a man who they like on the street. Well, I, that does not fit the profile of a, no, no, of a, of a perp. I, don't, I, I think yeah, I we're know, really I, reaching now. I think we're yeah, really reaching. And guess what? That When I heard people say that they kept hearing voices and stuff like that, I thought they were reaching. <laughs> and believe me, Richard, if this was not happening to me and someone told me it was happening to them, there's no way I would believe them. And that's why I testify in front of the Board of Police Commissioners, in front of uh, Chief Charlie Beck, and and, and, uh, and gave him letters saying, are you going to investigate this thing? Because what, the, the one thing I want, you have to understand, uh, 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 fire Captain Matthew Phillipson was called. Okay, I don't want to mention any names here, Lee, uh, because that's going to get you in hot water and me too. Listen, I I believe there's something happening. I question the motives. I, I don't I don't think you've I don't think most people who are, are targeted really understand uh, the motives. And in many cases, there may not be any motive. They're just being driven to uh, distraction, driven around the bend because they can. Uh, appreciate the call, Lee, from Los Angeles. Let's say hi to, is it uh, Carlos in Carson, California? Good morning, Carlos. Yes, good morning, uh, Richard. Uh, you know, um, 
Sirhan Sirhan, Charles Manson, the son of Sam Killer in uh, New York, the kids in Columbine, uh, Jack Ruby, they all had one person in common, uh, and this was Jolly West, a psychiatrist who worked on the MKUltra mind control experiments of the CIA. Okay? And, uh, of course, uh, when you think of the uh, Korean guy that went out there and, and killed 32 people, I read uh, uh, something whereby his sister belonged to the CIA. So, I mean, this is, uh, and then you had a Texas Tower shooter who killed a bunch of people in, in Texas back in 1963. And, of course, that was the first time they called SWAT in. Uh, of course, the crisis created that, that in the way for the SWAT, the first time they used SWAT. Uh, but he had been under some kind of mind control also. So, so all these people, a lot of serial killers are products of mind control. But then again, when I look at all these returning veterans that are killing themselves, I, I, I tend to think and I, say, I question myself and I say, are they being mind controlled? Are the medications that they're taking perhaps inducing the mind control? kill themselves as a population control measure? I mean, well, it's not a, a very effective way to, to control the population. Uh, I mean, many of these things are unintended consequences. Sure, you mix uh, pharmaceuticals with post-traumatic uh, stress disorder. Uh, you know, obviously that can end very badly. Uh, but I, I think as Marie Jones pointed out earlier in the program, uh, you know, if you go through boot camp, that is a form of brainwashing and mind control. It's, it is. I mean, you, you're, you're to take someone and turn them into a killer, a killing machine. Uh, and, and, and part of your identity is erased and supplanted uh, with, this, with this idea you know, that you are to go out there and kill. That can't help but that, that play out in, in, uh, in, tragic, in, in tragic ways in the end. No, but, but look, if, if you look at the uh, Second World War, First World War, uh, this massive, uh, this massive uh, uh, suicides by by returning vets did not happen then. I'm a Viet, I'm a Vietnam vet myself. It did not happen in Vietnam. It just happened recently here. Well, that's Iraq, true, but, but there's a big difference. No, that's true, Carlos. But a couple of uh, big differences. Uh, number one. Uh, Returning vets from the Second World War were uh, hailed as heroes. Contrast that with Vietnam when they were uh, when they came back after serving their country, and they were called baby murderers. Uh, also, the, the economic situation is completely different after the Second World War. There were boom times. Uh, you know, there were jobs available, and now, unfortunately, we have uh, veterans returning home. They're broken individuals, and they have no prospect of, of gainful employment. Um, and uh, obviously, the other big difference is, unfortunately, the uh, the types of weaponry and, and uh, bombs and so forth, these IDUs uh, that are being used, uh, just absolutely, you know, destroying human beings, uh, leaving people, uh, you know, just utterly wrecked. So I think there are a lot of, you know, major differences that separates the returning veterans from the Second World War and what's going on now. However... Uh, I think you made some valid points, Carlos. I appreciate the call. Let's say hi to 
Um, do we have time? I think we have time for Tom in Taft, California, on the wild card line. Good morning, Taft. Hello, sir. Uh, great show, Richard. Thank you. Um, you know, uh, there's been I'm, – I'm uh, well experienced with uh, a lot of this. Uh, you, know, I, I, I'm, you know, unfortunately, many of your TI individuals don't know who their money bags is. I have known who my money bags is. What do you mean uh, by yeah. money bags? Money bag is the guy who finances the contract, the gang stalking contract, the uh, who makes you a targeted individual. You know, I had a falling out with an individual I knew all my life in Chicago, and after that, all of a sudden, you know, I had uh, noise harassment. I had uh, uh, for 14 years, I've had uh, burglaries in my residence, little vandalisms, little thefts, little crazy things done, you unbelievable things. It would make you look crazy if you called the police and reported everything that happened. You know, um, but let me tell you, you know, uh, people like uh, the former chief medical officer of Finland by the name of Dr. Rauni Kyld, uh, R-A-U-N-I-K-I-L-D-E. Yeah, she just, just passed away pre- uh, very uh, recently, I believe. Did she? I'm sorry to hear that. You know, she who wrote the microchip implants, mind control, you know, Mind Control and Cybernetics, uh, she wrote that great article. Uh, you know, she, she was one of one of the first medical doctors that corroborated this whole situation. Absolutely. They, they, Tom, listen, I got to, I got to, um, well, we got a, a couple minutes here. Well, so, uh, yeah, get right to your point. Yeah. yeah. but you, you, and you look at parameters from, U, uh, from uh, U.S. Army War College, Spring 98, how they talk about a weapon that they have that can, can induce or prevent sleep. You look at uh, wonder weapons from U.S. News and World Report. Uh, you know, uh, Dr. Alden Byrd, B-Y-R-D, in charge of the Marine Corps' electromagnetic weapons program, who said that they're capable. They have weapons to put sound in people's heads. Uh, you know, it says they have microwave sonic acoustic weapons that keep people from sleeping or to prevent them from sleeping or, or to induce sleep. There's no uh, question in my mind, Tom, that this technology exists. Uh, and when there, you know, when there is a, uh, when you have the resources, and you couple that with people who have, you know, ill intent, then these things are going to happen. I think you made uh, one point that's very uh, important to sort of reinforce, and that is that, you know, we tend to think that the perps are these, you know, rogue agents working for these shadowy government agencies. But as you point out, these things, this technology can be made available to, let's say, some, you know. Uh, some business person uh, who's got an axe to grind, and uh, you know there are there, there are sh- sure there are shadowy corners on the internet when you can put up you know uh, uh, want ads. You know um, you know you're looking for someone to harass or to stalk or to uh, to target you know a, a former business partner or a jaded lover, etc. So it's not just government agencies. This is filtered down. Uh, you know, almost to ordinary citizens that have this capability. Well, they knocked me out and put a chip in my tooth, and I didn't even know it. They told me this in Kingman, Arizona, and I started having tinnitus, you know, ringing in my ears and stuff. And it would get worse when I would call coast-to-coast up and complain about something, or, you know, it would get worse then. And uh, Which it doesn't say that in the tinnitus textbooks, you know, that uh, tinnitus gets worse when you call coast-to-coast, you know. But... uh, the whole thing of it is, is uh, you know, psychiatry and the police need to wake up and realize that there's healthy people that are suffering trauma from being either implanted and targeted with CIA's Project Pandora. Absolutely. Or- Tom, i gotta, I got to take a break. Uh, I appreciate the call. Thanks for checking in from Taft. 
taking us into the break. The Who with a brand new one. It's been quite a while since we heard from Roger and Pete. Here they are with Be Lucky. Coast to Coast AM continues right after this. And uh, delighted to be sitting in for George Norrie tonight, this morning. Up here in uh, Toronto, Ontario, uh, I can be heard on The Conspiracy Show on AM740 Zoomer Radio, and uh, that's a a 50,000-watt clear channel. It's a real flamethrower, and so the signal carries well down into the United States, so perhaps you've heard the program down there as well, or on one of our uh, 30 affiliates. That's The Conspiracy Show, and the website, incidentally, is richardserrett.com, richardserrett, S-Y-R-E-T-T.com, and uh, you can also say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett. We'll get back to open lines in just a moment, and a number of you still want to discuss uh, mind control, electronic uh, surveillance, uh, social engineering by the government, the media, uh, and this, of course, after our um, fascinating discussion with Marie Jones, the author of Mind Wars, uh, and still no takers yet, as yet, on uh, the most haunted location in uh, your particular city or town, perhaps we can get to that as well a little bit later. So that's all in store and upcoming as we continue open lines right here on Coast to Coast AM. Don't go away. Welcome back to Coast to Coast. Richard Serrett sitting in for George Norrie. Open lines. And uh, we go to the wild card line. It's Jim checking in from Spokane, Washington. Good morning, Jim. How are you doing, Richard? Uh, Very well. Uh, Hang on a second. There we go. Okay. Um, I got pulled over this evening by a a Spokane Valley police officer, you know, and I don't mind that they pulled me over. I'm legal. I got a good license. I got insurance. My tags are good. You know, the officer comes up to me and says, my license plate's obscured. Um, I know it's not. You know, I told the officers, no, it's not. He says, well, I couldn't see it. I was, well, you were just at a wrong angle. No, I was directly behind you. Um, you know, and I, I, I know the law, you know, and, and, you know, the officers wonder why they don't get any respect. The fact of the matter is, if they were honest with people, hey, I pulled you over, I thought maybe you might have been drunk or something, you know, and I just wanted to check. That had been fine. But, you know, I mean, when you lie to me, that's like peeing on my head and telling me it's raining. So what do you think he was really after? Uh, he, was, he was looking to see if I was a DUI. I mean, I didn't tell the officer I had my scanner on. I knew two blocks before he flipped the lights on, it was going to pull me over. But, you know, I mean, it, if you want respect, you got to give respect. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of officers listen to this. If they want the respect of the of the public, they got to give the respect. Be honest with us. Oh, that's true, and and I think um, uh, this was something that was brought up uh, when George interviewed Robert Putnam on uh, I think it was Wednesday night, uh, discussing. Um, I think it was Robert Putnam. I may be mistaken, but it had to do with the loss of Fourth Amendment rights. And uh, right, he, right. he attributed this to uh, police, poor police training. And he said exactly what you just said, that um, they have to learn that they work for us. 
Well, exactly. And, they, and they're not going to treat American citizens that way. Job. I respect their job. You know, I mean, I wouldn't want to do it. You know, I mean, it's a tough job. It's a lot of a lot of um, bull that they got to go through out here. You know, but you know, and if you're honest with the citizens, they may be honest with you back. Well, uh, part of the problem is I think everybody's on edge these days, and, yeah. uh, and they're I, nervous I, approaching I, I a car. You're nervous, and that just that's a recipe for disaster, and then that, and that's when these tragedies occur. But I, I, I agree. I see stupidity everywhere. You know, I mean, people that are just totally unaware, and uh, you try talking to them and making them aware of things. Because I listen coast to coast every night, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great program. You guys are very uh, informative and everything. And I, I do my research, too, you know. And uh, when I try to tell some of these people things, they're like, oh, no, you're just a hate monger. You're just doing this. You, you know, no, I'm not. You know, I mean, I'm trying to be real about it. I'm trying to give you a heads up, you know. Things are coming down, and, and we need to be ready for it. That's true, but it can't be repeated often enough, though, that you know, 95, 98, whatever the number is of, of police uh, men and women uh, are, are in, the, uh, in that career for all the right reasons. They want to make a difference. They want to help, uh, but it only takes one person with a gun with bad intentions uh, to make life miserable for a whole lot of us. And, uh, I understand you know, I understand. You know, Jim. I appreciate it. I, I got to move along, Jim, but I appreciate the call. Thanks for checking in from Spokane tonight. And uh, next, we'll go to the wild card line again and say hi to Jeff in Culver City, California. Good morning, Jeff. Hi, Dave. Hey, it's a great show tonight, man. I'm glad you guys are you know on and uh, and Mrs. Uh, Marie uh, Jones is on. Uh, yeah, you know these mind control programs, Dave, are not just all about population control or creating brainwashed assassins. I believe that many of these programs are designed the primary purpose of getting those targeted or selected individuals to gain or gather information from foreign governments. Then that information is gleaned, you know, and then used for political or corporate purposes. The CIA's priorities, first and foremost, is for the preservation of American corporate interests abroad. Our nation's security is a secondary consideration, and as the old saying goes, when Wall Street goes, so goes the nation. The question is this, Dave, if these very gifted or chosen individuals and such valuable mind control programs are useful and necessary to our country's prosperity and security, and why aren't their, uh, uh, their contributions to society fully recognized and adequately compensated for? And second, do you believe that their techniques will ever be fully disclosed, whether, whether it's through technological machinery, telephonic relayed messaging, or some other hypnotic techniques? Do you think they'll ever reveal how they actually conduct their work? And I'll take your answer up there. Uh, it's uh, it's Richard actually, uh, Jeff. I appreciate the call. Well, the um, the technology. I, I think we have a, a pretty good handle on a lot of it. Um, you know, we know about remote neural uh, monitoring. Uh, one uh, one new piece of uh, the puzzle that, that was revealed to me by uh, Dr. John Hall, the author of uh, Guinea Pigs: Technology for Control, uh, has to do with uh, EEG cloning. And uh, heterodyning, I believe it's called. And I don't understand the ins and outs. He's a medical doctor. I am not. But the idea is that, that they, they can capture your EEG uh, remotely uh, and then 
whatever they need to do to that EEG to uh, produce the types of symptoms that they want, whether it's forced speech, some involuntary um, action like waving your arms around, uh, they can then manipulate your EEG, put it back into your into your head, and uh, and then your uh, your mind sort of uh, entrains on that that new EEG, which is your EEG, and then you start to produce these these symptoms. Uh, this is apparently something that's fairly new and fairly recent. Well, we have researchers, people like Dr. Hall, who are finding out about it and reporting it. So we are in dribs and drabs. Uh, you know, we have we have whistleblowers uh, within the uh, NSA and elsewhere that are that are revealing some of these uh, these uh, methods. So I think we're getting a pretty good handle on how they're doing it. The big question is, you know, who's doing it? And why? And uh, oftentimes, I don't think there is a reason. They do it because they can. We're all part of some grand experiment. And perhaps the end game is that, the, that we're all going to be targeted eventually. Let's say hi to uh, Trina is in Langley, Virginia. Trina can either confirm nor deny she's... Oh, Trina has, uh, Trina has left us. I was going to say she can neither confirm or deny she's with the CIA course, headquartered in Langley, Virginia. Uh, Haniel, is Haniel there from Miami, Florida? Hello, Richard. How are you? Good morning, Haniel. I'm well, thank you. Good. It's the first time I'm talking to you, and uh, I have a lot to say. All right. Welcome, my friend. Okay. Uh, I don't know where to start, but uh, let me start with the micro-air vehicle. I'm not joking. This thing looks like an insect, and it's been inside where I live three times and once in public came to me, and I got a picture of it. And it has letters on the side of it, and it's no bigger than your little finger's fingernail. And it flies around, and it looks like it's videotaping my face when it comes up to me, and it goes around my head. And it, uh, you know, it's kind of frightening because when I was looking at it, it was like, is this thing really fake? You know, because it looks like a bug, but... When Do you I, have a picture of it? Did you take a picture? Yes, I got a picture with my cell phone camera. And when I blow it up, when it's enlarged, it's like, oh, my God, this thing is not an insect, you know. And uh, that's why I'm a little bit nervous now, because I've realized since then that something is going on. And I'm looking back over the years, and I see how, you know, how, like, they've isolated me. My family don't talk to me. Uh Nobody wants to get involved with the picture. I've sent it out to Wired Magazine. I've sent it out to Politica, uh, ProPublica. Uh, some I've, I've sent it to George Norton. I've got could you send me? Could you send me uh, that? Uh, do you have like a, a JPEG? You could send it to me. Yes, I do, but I can't send it until tomorrow. That's All fine. Right? I'll send All right. It to you tomorrow. Uh, Maybe Contact me through my to... website. Contact me uh, through my website, richardsarris.com. I'd love to see that. Well, listen, uh, the the technology exists. I remember yeah. reading back a couple of years ago about, uh, I, I think it was at Harvard, and uh, they were one of the first to develop these. They're like Cambridge. Cambridge has a, uh, a really detailed about micro uh, insect flight, wing flapping, the whole thing. I've read it. That's right. They're insect drones. Absolutely. The, the technology exists. Now, why are you, though? Why are you being targeted? That's what I'm saying. Well, I'm kind of a different person. I have dreadlocks, you know, and I've, I've been a lot. I'm nearly 50 years old. I've been a 
lot of places. I've, I've probably said something or come on the radar somehow. And maybe this has been going on all my life because I was adopted as a child, and, and my father always hated me. There was always problems with me and the family. And, and he was a kind of mysterious guy, too, so I don't know if maybe he had something to do with the whole thing. But here I am. I live in a van. I'm homeless. This has been chronic. Like, every time I get up off the streets, I'm back down in the streets. Uh, I'm a good person, but yet there's always some kind of fingers pointing at me, you know, and there's always a lot of, uh, you know, I'm a less than, you know, tasteful person to society. By their aside, from the, aside from the insect drones, yeah. um, uh, Jeff, what other... Okay. The, um, I'm sorry, Haniel. It's Haniel. My apologies, Haniel. What other what other symptoms uh, are you experiencing? The voice to skull. Uh, there's like a pressure wave that hits my eardrums. Well, I'll be. It, it feels like tinnitus, right? But then all of a sudden, it's like you're in an elevator, and boom! You know that the ears just go to a different pressure frequency. And then there's little suggestions that pop in, maybe you know a sentence long. There's conversations sometimes that I'm hearing, like, say, let's suppose you have a fan on. Coming through this, this, the background sound of the fan, you'll hear, you know, like a conversation or voices. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not crazy. I don't hear voices telling me to do things. I just hear voices that are maybe meant to disrupt my normal meditative state. That's what I feel is going on. I feel like if I was in uh, the meditative state that I want to belong to, it wouldn't be uh, advantageous to these people that are doing this. And you believe that that this constant uh, harassment surveillance has uh, has led you basically to become homeless, beating you down to such an extent? Yeah, yeah, I feel like it's a destabilizing factor in my life that I've been unaware of until recently. Now, I've done a lot of research on the Internet. I see a lot of, you know, there's a lot of talk about targeted individuals. There's a lot of people that, you know, maybe they're too far off into one end. But, you know, I I think about why they might be doing this. And to to the people that are being targeted, what the motive or the purpose is. But it could be malicious, but you have to realize that there are social engineering projects afloat, you know, because when you look back, the history. Okay, you mentioned before about the end of World War II, and to me, that was the last good war because there was a purpose for fighting that war. But then that was called the Office of Special Services or something. Then they became the CIA. And now that they are that, you know, declassified information has shown that they are doing this to American citizens on American soil. So I think we'd be very naive to believe that they're not, you know? And especially in this day and age where it's an open, you know, open-ended war on terror, anybody can get, get crossed in, into their, their um, programs or their projects or whatever. So well, Hanya, let me just say this uh, to you. Um, the, 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 the thing that you have to avoid at all costs is despair. No, I'm not because in despair, but it's that's good. Right. You know, it, of course it's frightening. I become brave to it on the opposite end of the spectrum. When I become brave, I think that's what they want me to do is say more stupid things or be tough, act like a tough guy. You know what I mean? To, to bolster my defenses. And, like, I know this is going on. 
So when I speak out about it, like say I'm in the middle of the night, I'm laying there, I know they're listening. So I might say things, you know, out loud. I might, you know, I call them a coward straight to their faces because I believe it's a very cowardice operation that they're performing. And Have you reached other- out to, um, excuse me, Haniel, have you reached out to uh, Derek Robinson at the, um, uh, at the group Freedom from Covert Harassment? I'm going to write it down, but no, I haven't. Actually, I've been on more of um, a thought process of artificial intelligence. If this drone thing that's been coming to me is artificially autonomous or if it's controlled by an individual. Now, it was um, it was an operation down here in South Florida called Bold Alligator that was run by the Office of Naval Research, and that's what the letters on the side of this little insect look like they read, O-N-R. And I, I sent even the Department of Defense a copy of it because through my research I tracked down there's an office called the Office of uh, Rapid Reaction Technologies, and a guy, because the Washington Post said an uh, anti-war protester was seeing these dragonflies that looked like they weren't insects. So this guy from the Rapid Reaction Office of the Navy said that um, if you see something, let me know. So I sent them the picture. Haven't heard anything back. Well, know, I would love to see that picture, um, Haniel, and I hope that um, that you can send it to me in the next couple of days. And so, uh, so you said that was what? The, uh, excuse me. The um, the website. Oh, the, uh, the the organization is called Freedom from Covert Harassment and Surveillance. And if you just if you, ha- you get access to a computer and, and Google, um, or, or put that into your search engine, Freedom from Covert Harassment and Surveillance, uh, because I think it's important that uh, you know you uh, you get in touch with. Uh, others that are going through this. You do need a support network. I think it's great that you're going out there and doing research and trying to figure out what's going on, but you also you need to surround yourself with, with uh, supportive people because I think that's that's the MO, right, is to isolate you. And once you're isolated and you're cut off from, from other people, that's when we start to despair. You have to be on guard against I that. A, I have a dog. I'm good. You know, I'm good with people. I have a few people I talk to, but it's like, you know, there's there's no help for poor people in general, and I think that's a lot of the people that are getting this treatment from what the powers that be. If you're poor, and you have nothing, so there's nothing to lose. You know, you can't defend yourself. You can't hire a lawyer. You can't do anything. You're so right, Haniel. It's it's true. Uh, from what I understand is that, that uh, listen, there's a long history we know of uh, governments uh, experimenting on their own people, and um, Traditionally, they would use prison populations, or they would uh, they would choose uh, people that have uh, drug addictions because those individuals are already discredited in society's mind. So they're not going to be believed. They are isolated. They've got a captive lab rat, if you will. Hang in there, Haniel. Don't despair. Bruce Springsteen takes us into the break with Thunder Road. We'll come back and take more of your calls. Open lines on Coast to Coast AM. Welcome back. Thanks for inviting me into your homes. Earlier I was uh, trying to remember uh, George Norrie was speaking with someone about the rise of the police state um, in reference to one of an, uh, an earlier caller who had been pulled over tonight by police, and he thinks that uh, it, it was justified. Uh, that was uh, John Whitehead that spoke to George. That was on Tuesday night, uh, president of the Rutherford Institute, John Whitehead, and he was talking about the rise of the police state in the United States, and he was the one that brought up the fact that uh, this is a, an issue of training. If police were trained properly, 
uh, and we get back to a situation where they have respect for us and, and recognize that you know we're paying their salary they're to serve and protect us uh, then it might redress some of the imbalance that's taking place but let's face it a lot of people are on it are on edge uh, not only the police but the people that they're stopping and and when you've got uh, a nervous cop with a gun and uh, a nervous person you know who's been pulled over to the side of the road that can be a recipe for disaster. Uh, we will get back to uh, open lines here in just a moment. If you've got a line, hold on to it. And uh, just uh, want to remind you about the Coast Insider Club. In case you're not a night owl, let's face it, we're not all night owls. Uh, but uh, it's a problem that's very easily resolved. If you've got 15 cents, you can spend a day. That's all it takes. And then you're an insider. You just go to Coast to Coast AM, sign up, 15 cents a day. You get to listen to uh, past shows going back Oh my gosh! It's thousands of shows now that are at your uh, at your disposal. Five years you can go back and listen to programs. Not only that, but it gives you access to monthly live chats with George and other guests. Again, go to coasttocoastam.com, sign up now, and become a Coast Insider. Back with Coast to Coast AM and your calls. My name is Richard Sarrett. Other line J is in San Diego. J, thanks for your perseverance. Good morning. Thank you. I've been waiting 25 years for this program, 25 years and three hours and 10 minutes. So I appreciate taking my call. Uh, I was uh, born in San Francisco in the early 60s. My parents were both middle class people. Uh, I grew up ostensibly as a normal person. Uh, however, when I got into my young adulthood, I started to notice some things and uh, subsequently uh, found out through a series of events that I was involved in the uh, what's called the MK Ultra program, although I have to say that that's basically a cover, but this goes much deeper than that, that it's intergenerational and it has to do with uh, basically bloodlines and uh, a genetic uh, uh, connection to all this. Um, the uh, process of, of programming a child involves using the natural ability of a human being to escape pain or any kind of a life-threatening situation in which uh, we naturally uh, associate. So uh, when the caveman was attacked by a tiger, uh, if, he, if he got away, he would be able to escape without feeling any pain until later on when he was uh, safe. Uh, in this case, what they did with the children was far more insidious than any description that your guest gave. Um, it involved all manner of tortures in order to get the child to dissociate, and once that was done, it's very systematic. Um, at each level, uh, brainwave level, and you're right about the EEG feedback that was used, um, they program according to uh, the child's propensity, um, whatever uh, the, the child is, is, a, is a gifted at. In my case, I was a psychic, uh, I was a natural empath. Now, this runs in families, and uh, both my parents were involved, but primarily what they want is a, uh, really, uh, the female, the mitochondrial DNA. Um, uh, it's a connection to what, what you ask, what is this all about? Um, we have to look at it from a different perspective. This goes far back beyond the uh, post-World War II period. Um, what happened during World War II was in Nazi Germany, uh, there was a lot of things going on in the concentration camps uh, involving uh, experimentation in this, in this area. This is not well known because it was uh, 
covered up because my, many of these people were brought over here after the war. Um, my primary programmer was a man who was named Dr. Green. However, many of the people, particularly children on the West Coast, uh, have identified him as, as Dr. Joseph Mengele. Um, as, as incredible it is as true. It has been speculated that, that Mengele did make it to the United States and he was stationed at China Lake. Yes. And uh, I was one of his uh, protégés um, now. How, what, the Born Identity, which Robert Ludlum wrote uh, many, many years ago, uh, is fairly uh, fairly close. However, when you're dealing with this, you're looking at various levels of brainwave uh, trainment. Uh, the profile for people involved in this is actually what, what people would uh, not suspect. It's actually the, the brighter you are, um, the more intelligent you are, um, uh, also the more creative you are, uh, the, more, the, the propensity to go in deep and stay focused in a trance state. Once Jay, could I, ask you a, could I ask you something here, jump in and ask you? Sure. Uh, first of all, how did you learn about your involvement in this program? Were, were these recovered memories? Uh, they were, yes, they were recovered memories. I did not... I did not uh, recover them in therapy with a uh, hypnosis. Um, it's, it's very difficult for people to, uh, for therapists to get through this because what they do, and this is, again, this goes back far beyond, this goes back generation after generation. Um, and it's very difficult to get at the memories because they, we're talking about severe torture in which uh, it's life-threatening and the child is told if they're ever, Tear a tell, they'll kill them and they'll kill their family. And uh, a child is, you know, going to accept that. Uh, the the net. This is a criminal organization. It, it's international. The, but the but net, if I could go back to my initial question, though, I'm curious to know how you how you were able to remember these things. When did they? When did these memories come flooding back? And and how? All right. Uh, I was working in a in a in a job, like a normal person, uh, it was 1988. Um, in the course of my work at this job, uh, a sphere of light entered into the uh, room I was in. Uh, I had five of the witnesses. Um, it, it's, it's stayed there, covered there for like maybe what seemed like an eternity. Uh, the lights flickered on and off, the TV went off, and then it, and then it left. And uh, everybody in the room was shocked. Uh, frightened, um, I immediately ran outside and, and tried to find out where it went. Uh, subsequent to that, I had a year and a half of what, what, which rashes, headaches, nausea. I started having flashbacks. And the flashbacks initially involved what um, is commonly referred to as alien abductions. Now, the reason that that's involved is because what I was going to get to is when you ask, what, what is this all about? This is a hierarchy of slaves the very pinnacle of it, it's an off-planet, uh, uh, you know, it's off-planet. In, in other words, this is, well, we're a colonized planet, and the colonization is basically still taking place. Uh, it's a colonization in which, uh, again, intergenerationally, children are pro programmed uh, and based on the parents' profile, and, and, and they're put into pro projects, various programs that some go into a uh, like I said, I was a national subject. Um, so I was, I was, I was, I was at Stanford Research Institute uh, as a child. My earliest memories go back to age four, like your guest was saying. They have to have a, a child has to, this 
process has to start before the age of five because uh, you have to get a child before their their ego their ego identity is, is confirmed. You get them earlier than that, they're very malleable. So you can create these multiple identities, which is basically the child pretending they aren't they aren't they aren't themselves anymore. It's a the, so, it, it's been Jay. You've heard this before, I'm sure, but it has been suggested that the alien abduction uh, phenomena is actually co is a cover uh, that these are implanted memories, uh, and that the alien abduction phenomena is a cover for these these mind control programs, which are being perpetrated by you know people right here on this planet. Never mind the extraterrestrials. How do you feel about that? Uh, I, well, I'll tell you in my own case, and I've worked with many people over the years. Uh, I started working with people in the induction field and then, and then moved on to working with other people. In my opinion, all all, all alien abductees are monarch programs. Now, in some cases, there are uh, what I call street theater, uh, where, you have, where they actually dress other children up as aliens and create this uh, atmosphere in which it, it, it's, it's obviously then, in other cases, as in mine, uh, these there are legit. This is what, in other words, we are. These people are related to us. In other words, the the higher up you go in this hierarchy, and, and you get into uh, people like presidents, and if you look at the uh, presidential uh, ancestry, you'll, you'll see a connection. I mean, there's no accident we're having Bush and Clinton, and you know, I mean, how many Bushes are we going to have in the White House? These are dynastic. Uh, uh, these are dynastic uh, agencies. Uh, this is right. why it's called, it's called the Monarch Project. And the network, when, when uh, your guest talked about how do children get into these programs, the connection is Freemasonry. And these people that are involved in the intelligence community, this is the, this is the, the octopus, the web that connects this. In, every, uh, in any particular, even the police. I, I, I got rides to program centers in police cars. Uh, no, not obviously not all police are involved, but you don't need everybody involved. You need key people and key positions. Uh, all right, Jay, I got I got to jump in here because I have lots of people waiting, uh, and this is we're sort of going off in uh, you know madly off in all directions with the Freemasons and alien abductions and mind control. Uh, I get what you're saying. That you're you're saying you're connecting the dots between all of these of these things, and I don't know what to tell you about that. I uh, I, I certainly believe people are being targeted. I, I, I'm at this point. I'm not convinced that it's aliens that are responsible or uh, um, archons or, or, or something of that order. However, I appreciate the call, Jay, in San Diego. Thank you for checking in. Uh, while no, let's say uh, west west of the Rockies, we're going west of the Rockies, and Drew is in the state of Washington. Drew, good morning. Good morning. I've got two subjects uh, I'd like to try to hit. One of them is the mind control. I'm former military right out in 2010. I was in the Marine Corps. Um, definitely. Thank got you for your watch. service. Thank you for your service. You're welcome. Um, I can say within the last year, it's been really weird. Uh, there's been like a, a trigger word, and it, it starts with an A. I can't remember what it is. But every time I hear this word, it's happened twice now, and it's kind of rings in my head. It makes me want to find who's saying that word. I don't know if someone is saying it, but it's just it's just really weird. I get real, real antsy. My heart rate starts going. Kind of makes me want to go into battle. Interesting. 
Interesting, interesting. And is there any missing time after you hear this word? No. no okay, no so you're, you're, just, you're present and accounted for at all times when you hear this right. word. It's curious, though, that you, that you can't remember the word. Yeah, I, and I know it starts with an A. I'm just not sure. I'm going to start clearing a notepad on me so I can write it down when I do hear it. Um, the second thing is medical experiments. I know I, I've definitely got experimented on while I was in the Marine Corps. Um, How so? How so, Drew? Well, I, I've, I've gotten plenty of pills and shots that I don't know what they were, and when I did get them I, and I asked the, the corpsman, and, you know, I don't know, you're supposed to take it. You know, and I got checked off the list. And ever since then, um, cuts heal up rapidly. Um, I've gotten surgery a couple times, and I've astounded my doctors because my stitches are, are scabbed up, almost about to fall off in a week. I had my gallbladder removed, and the next day I was back up working like nothing ever happened. Sounds like they're creating sort of a Captain America scenario. Do you think you're being developed into a super soldier? Uh, I, th I think I was maybe at the time. It's, it's interesting that it's still going on. I do know that my heart rate, every time I've gone in to see the doctor, um, my heart rate's been at least 108 to 118, and that's at rest. Um, my white blood cell count has been about 300 points higher than normal. They don't know why. My uh, cholesterol and everything, that's all right on point, perfect. So the doctors are kind of astounded. Just uh, last month I had sinus surgery, and it was very intense sinus surgery. They had to do about everything in the book, and within a week, I was already, scabs were already starting to fall off. My, my sinus doctor is, is just amazed. You're healing very quickly, uh, some might say abnormally quickly. Uh, any other yes. any other symptoms, uh, Drew? Do you, for example, uh, hear uh, voices in your head? Um, not not really. It's just when that that mind control thing goes, it, it just it makes me want to find who's saying it, and I and I don't know if it's if I want to hurt the person or if I want to protect them. So I, I and it's it's happened twice now while I'm while I'm at work, and so I'm trying I try not to find that person because I don't want to get in trouble and lose my job. <laughs> All right, uh, Drew. Uh, listen, I don't know what's going on there, but um, uh, stay in touch. Uh, contact me through the website, uh, richardsarah.com, and uh, I'd like to know what's going on. Appreciate the call, and thanks again for your service. Uh, let's say hi to James, who's checking in from Harrison, Tennessee, east of the Rockies. Good morning, James. Yeah, how you doing? Very well, thank you. Yeah, you, you remind me of Ian Punnett. I had talked to him about three years ago. I appreciate that. I take that as a um, uh, as a um, real compliment. Thank you. Yeah, what I was wanting to talk about, uh, I had tried for about 45 minutes when the, uh, when the lady was on earlier, and she was speaking about the mind control. And I'm in my late 40s, but uh, when I was about 16 years old, um, I was uh, going to a college in uh, well in Oklahoma City, and I had uh, met up with the gentleman uh, that was an ex-researcher, uh, uh, Dr. Jay Shirley, who was one of the partners with. Uh, are you familiar with John Lilly, the inventor of the sensory isolation tank? Yes, yes. Altered yeah, states. They, they were, I remember that. They were the ones, yes. Basically, they they uh, they based that movie Altered States on. That's right. And yes. um, 
Yeah, I was a psych major at the time, and I used to carry on long conversations. I never met uh, John Lilly, but I used to carry on long conversations with uh, Jay Shirley about different um, you know, aspects of REMs and sleep, and do we have precognitive things happen when we sleep, and this and that. And uh, he would just go on about bits of things that might, you know, happen. That he said that they were, they had a, uh, a, uh, an Indian, like a, uh, uh, um, uh, an Indian um, Buddhist, well, not a, well, excuse me, he was able to, uh, to control one fiber of his muscle in his leg, conscious. And right. he was like a yogi, right. is what he was. Right, yes, the, yeah, you're talking about the, the power of the human mind, of course. Yeah, yes, correct. And, and how do you and, think, and how, uh, do, how does this relate to uh, mind control? Well, I'm not exactly sure. That's why I wanted to get her uh, take on it, because I went for about, you know, 20 years, and, um, you know, I haven't talked to, uh, to Dr. Shirley since I've been like, 16, 17 years old, but I used to talk to him like two or three times a week. And, uh, he, you know, he would kind of give me the impression on the phone that he was like the scientist with the, with the, uh, uh, the tobacco box pipe in his mouth and he would say stuff. And I says, well, what was the purpose of some of this stuff? He was saying that when they invented the sensory isolation tank, they were doing, um, research for the government with the sensory isolation tank using psychedelics back in the 60s. And, yes, uh, I remember reading really about that. I I I tried uh, I tried the uh, the sensory deprivation tank. It's uh, your your mind does start to play tricks on you. It's it's very bizarre. It it's, it can be relaxing. Uh, yes. If you're not in the right state of mind, though, it can be very disconcerting. And I've had both experiences. Yes, yes. If you if you ever watch the movie, the original, the uh, um, the uh, the upright sensory isolation tank that was in the original scene in the movie Altered State. Right. Actually, it's a VA medical center in Oklahoma City. It's where it was retired to like 20 years ago. All right, James, got to run. That music is coming up, which means we're heading into a break. Appreciate the call. Thank you. More open lines on Coast to Coast. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Learning to fly, Tom Petty. Learning to fly. Time flies. I can't believe it. Half an hour left in the program. Where did it go? That old Groucho Marx line, time flies like an arrow, fruit flies like a banana. Uh, we were talking about the rise of the police state, or rather, uh, George Norrie was with um, uh, a guest a couple of nights ago. And I'm just reading a story here on uh, Coast to Coast AM's In the News section, which sort of speaks to uh, to this. And it's uh, the article, you can find it right there again on the In the News section at Coast to Coast AM. Not science fiction. Miami wants to predict when and where crime will occur. Armed with high-tech softwares, high-tech software and years of crime data, Miami police believe they will soon be able to stop crimes by predicting when and where they will occur. It sounds a little like something out of a science fiction novel, but the department is in the process of adopting a system called Hunch Lab that produces maps showing small areas where specific crimes are likely to be committed during shifts. The probability program is a geographical version of predictive policing software, which more departments are using, even if, in the words of one supportive cop, it's kind of scary. Imagine, now they're using algorithms to predict future crimes. 
It's all starting to sound a little bit like Minority Report, isn't it? Back to open lines when Coast to Coast AM continues. Stay with us. Richard Serrett sitting in for George Norrie here on Coast to Coast AM. Let's go to the first-time caller line. David is in Buffalo. Good morning, David. Yes, Richard. How are you doing this evening? I'm well, thank you. Okay, well, listen, uh, I don't really know where to begin, but uh, I just I just want to talk about the this mind control thing, okay? I, I don't really look at it as a mind control. I look at it more as, as manipulating somebody, okay? And... The technology, uh, basically, I believe, uh, to Dennis Kucinich, the former congressman from Ohio, I think he pretty much summed it up in his bill, H.R. 2977. And, uh, of course, they shut him down, too. But the bottom line is that I look under information technology. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that term or not, because I really haven't listened to your show as much as I have the other shows because of my job schedule. But the uh, the bottom line is, Dennis Kucinich called it information warfare, information technology, or information weapons. They are all synonymous. Okay, and uh, they uh, they operate pretty much like the uh, same technologies that uh, they came up with in Russia. Only they called it psychotronics. You familiar with that term? Oh yes, yes. Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. Anyway, um, these weapon systems are are now in the hands of law enforcement, okay? Uh, and basically, they're in the hands of the sheriff's departments. The sheriff's departments, uh, they they signed a bill, well, not a bill, but a memorandum of understanding between Janet Reno and then Secretary of Defense John Dooch in 1994. Now, these weapons systems were, uh, they came out long before that, but they just got around to signing it in in 1994. Basically, it said that uh, these systems, uh, these advanced systems, would be available to law enforcement. Now, they've had several articles in the Washington Post and other newspapers about uh, these weapon systems, but they're very vague, okay? The bottom line is is that they're they're killing us, okay? Uh, I have been a party to this for 32 years, and uh, this is What's going on with you? What's going on with you in your case? In my case, uh, well, it just you just start with the top of my head and work down to my feet. Uh, they've literally hit me with infrasounds. They've hit me with acoustics. They've hit me with uh, uh, with just everything that they have within the uh, within the uh, information technology. In other words, it's a combination of many technologies in one, but they call it information warfare. Now, if you look back. At the original time when it came on TV, they talked about it on 60 Minutes. It was called Shoot Not to Kill. I don't know if you're familiar with that 60-minute episode. It came out in 1996. You're talking and about non-lethal, non-lethal weapons. Exactly, exactly. But the thing of it is is that they're not non-lethal. There's no such thing as a non-lethal weapon. This is, these, these, these weapons kill. They, they, may call, they may call them uh, slow kill, but the bottom line is, is that... Uh, they still kill you. They try to How long have you. you been targeted, David? How long? 32 years, since 1983, April. And why? And why? Uh, well, because uh, I, believe, uh, the, the, I believe that anybody, first of all, can be a target, okay? I believe that the system has been around long enough, 30-plus uh, 30, 30 years, the same way they targeted my grandmother. Okay, not with this, but, uh, you know, with the DOD experiments, with the Montreal 9 experiments, 
with the uh, uh, let's see the head uh, MK Ultra. You've been talking about that. They've had several research projects, and one one just shifts to the other. Okay, and uh, so it is but, generational then. Oh yes, it's generational. I mean, the DOD uh, they killed five hundred thousand people. And they, you know, and they only paid out $4.8 million for 11 families of the victims, okay, and one person was alive at the time that they, you know, they pulled up. They never had any consent forms or anything like that, uh, you know, for these. Uh, well, wait a second. When you say the Defense Department killed 500,000 people? Uh, that doesn't know the Department of Energy. Department of Energy. Oh, the DOE. I'm sorry. The okay. DOE. And, okay. Okay. Can yes, you, can they you explain? They came out. They came out and said that. Uh, uh, that uh, they were, they didn't even say they were sorry. They just said that they were thought they were doing the right thing because of the post-World War, uh, you know, uh, episode. They needed to find out how uh, individuals' bodies would react to radiation, whether it's plutonium, uh, you know, whatever, whatever it was, they would inject it. They had all these different people working in collusion with hospitals and nursing homes, and, and people were screaming and hollering out. But it went on for 30 years, from the 40s until the 70s, until they had this Senate subcommittee. They finally, with their backs against the wall, they finally did something. We, uh, like Derek Robinson, I went with him in June of 2006 with Ted Gunderson and people from all around the country, you know, wanting to speak at the Bioethics Commission. But, uh, you know, they only, got, they only got maybe 20 people to speak, okay? And then uh, it was very, very vague because, you know, people uh, – you have no idea what an individual goes through. I mean, it's just painful. I mean, they, they literally exploded uh, my left leg. They, they blew my rotor cuff out on my, le- on my left shoulder. Uh, they blew a tooth out of my head. Okay, I have it all documented. I mean, this is uh, brutal stuff. This is the same thing uh, that uh, Robert Duncan has talked about, but he's done very little, uh, you know, to, to come through. Somebody that knows so, so much. He's done nothing, really, as far as shielding. Well, Rob, Robert is not here to uh, defend himself. So I know, oh, I know that. But we, I've, but talked I, to, I've talked to Mark Phillips. I went to his house. Mark Phillips was former CIA. Ted Gunnerson, I worked with him from 1991, right up, and he was a senior special agent in charge of the FBI in Los Angeles. I worked with him from 1991, okay? And he came out. Now, he's dead. He died on my wife's birthday, July 31st, uh, 2011. I mean, it's, uh, it's like a nonstop thing. These people, uh, they try to do something, and then they disappear. Okay? Do you use a Faraday cage or anything like that, David? How do you protect yourself? I don't. I'm married. I don't, I'm not going to sleep in, my, in, my, in my, my bed with my wife okay, in a Faraday cage. Okay? Uh, that's not going to happen. She's been targeted as well, not in the same way that I have, but she's been targeted. In fact, she just came out of the hospital uh, two days ago. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's very bad, uh, Richard. It's very, very bad. How, you, how, how have you managed to, to survive all these years? Well, uh, quite frankly, I, I believe in God. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I believe in God. I believe in, uh, I believe in Jesus Christ, and I am an elder in, uh, in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I'm an ordained elder in the Worldwide Seventh-day Adventist Church, and uh, I, have, uh, I have survived only because of him. And I thank you for taking my phone calls. And I've been trying to get a hold uh, of, uh, you know, of somebody, over there for years and years and years. I never got through. Well, you're you're here now. You got it said, and we appreciate it, David. And I'm uh, I'm, I'm I'm terribly sorry for your plight. Just uh, you know, keep praying. It's obviously worked uh, and kept you here for 32 years. So uh, you're winning, not them. 
Uh, Vicky is in San Francisco on the west of the Rockies line. Vicky, good morning. Hi, how are you? I'm well. Thanks for checking in. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Actually, I wanted to give you guys um, a little bit of, uh, you know, some kind of uh, ability to uh, take control and uh, take a look at some of these things that you're talking about as far as mind control is concerned. Um, the MIT Press uh, put out um, an architecture, art, and media politics um, reference book, basically, of, um, you know, very good uh, journalistic, uh, credibly, credibly um, <laughs> uh, reference, anyway, um, things that have to do with the idea of mind control. Um, and it has to do with uh, the ideas of brainwashing, uh, brain warfare, um, Pavlovian. Um, Vicky, do you believe that you're a, that you're a targeted individual? Um, of course I don't. Um, but actually, <laughs> uh, I do teach at this point in my and in time, and so um, this is kind of some of my repertoire uh, that I that I uh, grab things from. Okay, Vicky, you're you're yeah. you're. Uh, I'm not sure what the problem is with your phone, but it's it's kind of muffled and it's hard to hear from you. So I, I apologize, but I'm going to have to move on. And we're going to go east of the Rockies and say hi to Greg in Cincinnati. Good morning, Greg. Yeah, that's Hi, Greg. Go ahead. Well, thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to uh, reiterate, you need to listen to everything these people are saying. It is absolute truth. How it's being done, I have no idea, but mind reading is 100% real. I'm a victim of it at this very moment. And how it's, uh, one theory I had working was um, the metal that is supposedly being dumped out of the airplanes. The... Um, Aluminum particulates? Right, aluminum particulates. Right, aluminum particulates. That's the theory. Anyway, yes. Geoengineering. It's in our bloodstream and glow, and, you know, just glow to some sort of radar being bombarded at us. We're just spitting back signals for them, and they can grab pictures out of our heads that are clear as day. The people and that why, are do you, why, do you suspect, why do you suspect that your mind is being read remotely? Because I speak to two people every minute of every day. And let me tell you, when I say I wish to God I was a schizophrenic, that would be so much easier. Because these people can be relentless. And what they're able to do to our bodies, I mean, it can get, it, 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 it can become sexual in nature. Not become, actually is. And it can get as uncomfortable as anything you have ever felt. And they can do it for as long as they like. And they could do it for a matter of minutes until you're driven to suicide. I mean, they can do anything that they please. And who, it was, and who it's given to. They seem to be absolute just imbeciles. Why it would be given to people like this, I have no idea to use. But it's given to them. And they're using it at their own free will. And this country has been given away. 
to, to citizens who are willing to attack other citizens. And it's a sad thing, but it has been done. And, and if no one's going to do anything, what are we left to do? That's my question. Well, Greg, as, as far as the mind reading technology, I mean, they are, they are progressing with that. Uh, I remember reading studies uh, out of Berkeley. And um, my first uh, response is when I read an article and they're talking about, you know, how far along they are with a particular piece of technology. And, and thanks for the call, Greg. Uh, when they talk about, for example, at MIT, being able to now implant false memories in a mouse, they can do this now. This came out of MIT a couple of years ago. My first thought is, that's what they're telling us, but how much further along are they? 20 years, maybe? I remember, I keep remembering the, uh, the words of ben, ben Rich from Skunk Works, who said on his deathbed to a journalist, we have things in hangars out in the desert that, that are 50 years beyond your wildest imagination, 50 years beyond. So the public's not ready for that yet. Uh, so that when, when they're telling us that they now can implant false memories in mice, I immediately think they're 50 years beyond that. They can implant false memories in people. Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, that's where my mind goes. And when I'm reading now out of Berkeley that they have, they're just starting to scratch the surface of mind-reading technology, scanning the brain and being able to uh, interpret that data into actual thoughts, I'm thinking they're much further along. Let's say hi to Ricardo in Fontana, California, on the wildcard line. Ricardo, good morning. Welcome. Good morning, Richard. I've just got like two minutes here, so can you keep it uh, nice and concise for me? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. To begin, I want to say that I that I agree with a lot of your callers. I was married for six years, uh, years ago. Okay? And on the first six months of my relationship, we weren't legally married. We were just living together. I realized that I didn't want to be with her, so I wanted to leave her. And what she did, she cut up three chunks of my hair, like a triangle, upside down, and I don't know what she did with the hair. But the next day, I woke up happier, and I would believe anything that she said. Um, I wasn't exactly in love with her, but I had a lot of loyalty to her, and I believed her anything. Anything she would say, I would believe. And I was working for her and everything, and I knew I wasn't happy, but I was still with her. Later on, uh, she did to me again, and I ended up, you know, divorcing her. After I divorced her, I went through a lot of stuff. And um, I found out that what she did on me was one thing called binds. And, a binding uh, spell. A binding spell. Yeah, sure. a binding spell. So all these things that they're talking about, about uh, mind control technology, I don't think he's anything new. I've, I've done a lot of research on my own, too. And this comes from this comes from um, from uh, native tribes from over here from the Americas, and uh, they used to do all that, and they still do it to a well, lot. It of sounds people. like yeah, it sounds like uh, your um, your ex was performing some sort of uh, witchcraft or occult ritual. Oh, yeah. she told well, she told a bunch of my coworkers what she did, and I worked in a setting with where there's a lot of law enforcement coming in. And my co-workers told uh, law enforcement uh, officers, and they were aware of it. However, there's nothing they could do about it because there's nothing uh, 
there's nothing to, to prove. There's nothing that you can measure or weigh. However, she did all this, all this stuff for me, and my, my point of the phone call, I don't think this is anything new. I think it's been going on for a long time, for a lot of years, and the government is probably adapting this and uh, using it in a different way. But I do agree with everyone, and while I was with her under this spell, I had, the, I had so many problems. I had the biggest problems of my life. I got into physical fights on the street. I got kicked out from my school. I got fired from work. I got arrested. And how about now? Now that you've left her, how are things, Ricardo? Oh, everything is way better. However, after I left her, it took me about a year to regain my mind, okay, to recollect all my thoughts. Well, you got out, and that's the main thing, Ricardo. Uh, Listen, got to scoot. I appreciate the call. Thank you, all of you, uh, for your calls. For George Norrie, Lisa Lyons, Stephanie Smith, Dan Galante, Dave Hines, Chris Burroughs, Sean Latisor, and here in Toronto, Patrick Melkin, Scott Guest, Sean Salazo, and Gord Harris. I'm Richard Serrett. Thank you for your voices, your beautiful voices. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.